Good morning. We are now calling the meeting of April the 4th, 2017 to order. I have called the meeting of April 4th, 2017 to order. Would you please rise for the Pledge of Allegiance? We'll have the pledge led by Commissioner Nan Ridge. It is customary in our chambers that we take a moment of silence to recognize those brave men and women who are serving both here and abroad. In addition to that, we recognize those in our community who we may have lost. Commissioners, do you have anyone? You. Commissioner Furr. Thank you. Vice Mayor. Thank you. Uh, we lost a true visionary this, uh, yesterday with the passing of Abe Fischler. He touched millions of people in his life and Broward County is profoundly better for his contributions. Uh, he took NOVA from when it only had 17 students to the incredible institution that it is now. He, as a superintendent of Broward County, he incorporated technology, brought distance learning and all kinds of uh, other things into the, into the system that, that was, was great for the students. He is one of the founders of the Holocaust Documentation Center where thousands of personal stories have now been recorded and archived forever. Uh, Abe remained, despite all the accolades and the accomplishments, really a very easy guy to talk to. He was always wanting to uh, challenge your thinking, uh, find ways to make the community better, and he's going to be missed, but his work will be uh, with us forever. Um, Commissioner Rich. Thank you. I'd like to thank you for that. Those beautiful remarks, uh, Vice Mayor. Um, I would like to just add, uh, I knew Abe Fischler for many, many years, back, going back to the days when the start of the uh, Southeast Florida Holocaust Documentation Center and my father-in-law and Abe were dear, dear friends. And uh, you've said, you know, all the basic things about him. Uh, he was a visionary, he was a leader. Um, but I like what his daughter said, um, Lori. Um, and what she said was he, believed in the mantra that his father taught him, and it's something, it's a lesson for all of us, I guess. Um, we're here to leave the world a better place than the way you found it, she said. He walked that walk every day. And the last person I'd like to recognize, our state representative, Chevron Jones, lost his grandmother mm -hmm. this past week, and her funeral was on um, this weekend, and I just want to keep her and um, also his family in your thoughts and prayers. With that, a moment of silence. Thank you, you may be seated. So this morning, you may have heard that wonderful music coming out of our speakers. And um, I want you to know that that music was selected by Commissioner Holness. And the songs this morning, and he's going to make me pull out my Spanish, they were Fapalida and Tu Amor Me Hace Bien by Mark Anthony and I Am a Woman by Helen Reddy. 
So, um, and we also want to thank Commissioner Holness for his wonderful breakfast this morning and just say that uh, he's made the morning that much better. So we are now looking forward to lunch. Whatever you have plans, you know, just, you know, whatever you think you can come up with, Commissioner Holness, we'll accept. By the way, Madam Mayor, in this break, I just wanted to let you know that I am here participating. Oh, okay. Commissioner Geller is on the phone with us today. Yes, Commissioner Geller, I hear you loud and clear, and I will uh, make sure that I make the units, um, the minute secretary record your vote. Okay. Before we move to the agenda, I would like to start with the Brown Means Business moment by recognizing Village Tavern and Pembroke Pines. I will present the proclamation to the manager, Mr. Michael Levine. He is the general manager of Village Tavern. Could you please join me at the podium? And I would also, because we share this um, district, I would like to invite Vice Mayor Fur down with me. So before we get started, in a full disclosure, I actually see this man every Sunday. <laughs> the Village Tavern is a great place to eat, and um, it has been such a, um, a quality of life improvement to our area because we don't have very many great restaurants there, and the Village Tavern is one of them. So this proclamation reads, Whereas the Village Tavern is a sleek and spacious eatery featuring a large menu of American favorites plus an extensive wine list located in Pembroke Pines, Florida for nine years with 100 employees and? I just want to add an extensive beer list as well. Uh, whereas the original Village Tavern opened its doors in 1984 in Winston-Salem, North Carolina with the simple idea, serve the best possible food at affordable prices using the finest ingredients and to enrich the lives of guests and the community, and? Whereas today, just as in 1984, the Village Tavern remains committed to its founding principle, be a great place to work, deliver great food, great service, and great value to its guests every day, and? And whereas Corporate Executive Chief, uh, no, che Chef, sorry, uh, Mary Grace Viado came to Village Tavern in 2002 after graduating with the highest honors from the Culinary Institute of America in October 2001 and was honored with many awards and scholarships including a prestigious James Beard Foundation Scholarship, Culinary Institute of America Service Award, Culinary Institute of America President's Scholarship, Guest Services Endowed Scholarship, Catherine Angel Scholastic Achievement Award and the International Student Scholarship and... Whereas the Chilean sea bass is the best thing on the menu. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas the general manager, Michael Levine, and kitchen manager, Ed Johnson, led the Village Tavern, Pembroke Pines location, and strive to provide extreme attention to detail and superior service, and? And whereas the Village Tavern offers an award-winning list of premium wines and beers, available by the glass bottle or in tasting portions, recognized by receiving the Wine Spectator Award of Excellence, each guest is sure to find the ideal complement to their meal and palate. Now, therefore, be it proclaimed... By, by the, the Board, Board of County, County Commissioners, Commissioners of Broward County, Florida. That the Board hereby designates Tuesday, April, April 4th, 2017, 2017 as Broward Means Business, 
Village Tavern Day in Broward, Broward County, County, Florida. I would just like to uh, thank the commission, especially Mayor Sharif, uh, for the opportunity and this honor to be uh, to conduct and grow our business in Broward and Palm Beach County. We have a storm Boynton Beach as well, uh, but ours is better. And uh, we, we continue to grow in, in uh, Pembroke Pines. It's a wonderful place to be, a wonderful place to work, and thank you, everybody, for this honor. Thank you. Okay, we have um, other proclamations and presentations this morning. We have a proclamation for National Public Health Week presented to Dr. Paula Thackey, Broward County Department of Health Director. Is she here? Dr. Thackey, could you please join me at the podium? This proclamation reads, whereas public health systems around the world and in Broward County are committed to providing the services and expertise necessary to protect, promote, and improve public health. And whereas in response to the needs of the residents of the state, the Florida legislature in 1889 created the State Board of Health, now named the Florida Department of Health, and seeing a need for public health services in Broward County, the Florida, legis the Florida legislature in 1936 created the Florida Department of Health in Broward County. And whereas the Board of County Commissioners, the Florida Department of Health in Broward County, the hospital districts, and federally qualified health centers have been instrumental and collaborative partners in support of the healthcare infrastructure and services in Broward County and, whereas in April the nation celebrates National Public Health Week to recognize the role that the public health professionals play in creating a brighter tomorrow. With this year's theme, Healthiest Nation 2030, setting the goal of making the United States the healthiest nation in one generation and, whereas the Florida Department of Health in Broward County is committed to ensuring that the county's next generation is healthier than the one before, and we recognize that the changing, changing our health means ensuring conditions where everyone has the opportunity to be healthy. Now, therefore, be it proclaimed by the Board of County Commissioners of Broward County, Florida, that the board hereby designates April the 3rd through the 9th as National Public Health Week in Broward County, Florida, and celebrates Florida Department of Health and Broward County's commitment to working with individuals, communities, partners, and policymakers to achieve health quality. Thank you.
Thank you very much, Mayor, Commissioners, Ms. Henry, for your leadership and for your continued support. We are truly very fortunate here in Broward County to have such a strong relationship and partnership between the County Health Department and the County. And I want to take the opportunity to uh, thank a few of our very strong partners here at the County. I'd like to thank Kim Campbell, Mandy Wells, William Green, Leonard Jones, Miguel Ascaroons, and Anton. And we've had the opportunity to work together very closely to protect and to promote and to improve the health of our community here in Broward, specifically working together on issues such as integrated planning for HIV prevention and patient care services, the prevention of Zika virus infection, preparation for hurricanes, and many more. So again, thank you so much. And I'd also like to thank the public health professionals at the Florida Department of Health in Broward County, some of us who have joined us here in the audience today. Thank you. Mayor. Mayor. If, if, I might, well, doc, if I might, well, Dr. Thackey is here when she, after she takes her photo. Oh, she got Dr. Thackey. Uh, I, I just had the privilege of joining the Florida Healthy Kids Board, uh, which uh, uh, implements kid care. And I can just tell you from uh, the Surgeon General of the State of Florida, Celeste Phillip, Dr. Phillip, uh, that your reputation uh, goes all the way to Tallahassee. And that's a good thing. Dr. Thackey, did you have something else that you wanted to do today? Yes. Okay. Um, Broward County has been recognized by the Surgeon General as a healthy weight community champion. And this is the third year in a row that Broward has been recognized for its efforts to make the healthy choice the easy choice. And so, so many programs here in Broward County are contributing to that effort, including uh, the bicycle program. And so, unfortunately, um, we forgot the certificate, and um, I apologize very greatly for that, but again, on behalf of the State Surgeon General, Dr. Celeste Phillip, I really want to commend Broward County for its efforts with respect to um, decreasing obesity and promoting uh, healthy nutrition and physical activity and making this the healthiest county uh, in the state of Florida, striving to be the healthiest county in the United States. Thank you. Commissioner Lamarca, you're up next. Commissioner Lamarca will be presenting uh, E91 Emergency Operators Week, um, Tom Gallagher Awards, and can Charmaine Buckner and Aaron Kafka please join Commissioner Lamarca at the podium? Thank you, Mayor. And if I could actually also have uh, Tom Gallagher's three children, Christopher, Megan, and Stephanie, join us. Oh, and Amanda, okay. The list grew. Since it was two last night, now it's four. So that's sure. All you can do is fix the picture if I'm in it. <laughs> so this uh, this proclamation. Uh, before I read this, I, I just want to uh, note that uh, it's been my privilege for the last six years to be on the uh, both the fire rescue council and the EMS Council. Um, I don't know uh, if it's been a privilege yet to be on the uh, E911 uh, 4C committee, but, but I'm on it. So uh, I, I do appreciate the work you, that you do and, uh, and you keep your, your, your work uh, 
you concentrate on your work no matter what is written in the newspaper, and we thank you for that. So this proclamation, whereas 911 is nationally recognized as a number for members of the public to call to receive immediate help from the police, fire, emergency medical services, or other emergency response entities. And whereas the people of all ages use 911 as, increasing, as an increasingly to communicate with non-traditional methods such as text, video, and instant messaging, and may assume that those services are available to connect directly to 911. Whereas thousands of 911 calls are made each and every year by individuals properly trained on the, the use of 911, resulting in lives saved and underscoring the importance of educating the public on the proper use of 911. And each April during National 911 Education Month is also an opportunity to honor public safety telecommunicators who are a vital link between 911 callers or victims and emergency responders. And whereas Broward County founded the annual Tom Gallagher Memorial Public Safety Award in 2012 to honor Thomas W. Gallagher, Jr., who grew up right here in Broward County and dedicated his career to public safety, demonstrating exemplary leadership and distinguished and compassionate services as an emergency dispatcher in Miramar, Plantation, and Delray, as well as Pembroke Pines, and later Communications Chief and Public Information Officer for Pembroke Pines Police Department, whereas he played a key role in growing the Communications Center and Emergency Operations Center, and whereas emergencies can strike at any time, and Mr. Gallagher passed away suddenly and unexpectedly on September 28, 2012, after more than 28 years of public service. And Broward County established the Tom Gallagher Memorial Public Safety Award to honor his legacy of public safety service, whereas Charmaine Buckner, a communications operator with the Broward County North Regional 911 Public Safety Answering Point, PSAP, and Aaron Kafka, a telecommunicator with the Coral Springs Police Department Public Safety Public Service Answering Point, have exhibited exemplary leadership in their roles in public safety telecommunicators and are hereby designated the recipients of the fifth annual Tom Gallagher Memorial Public Safety Award. Now, therefore, be it proclaimed by the Board of County Commissioners of Broward County, Florida, the Board hereby designates April 2017 as National 911 Education Month in Broward County, and today, April 4th, 2017, as Charmaine Buckner and Aaron Kafka Appreciation Day in honor of the distinguished and compassionate service for public safety telecommunicators who work tirelessly to save lives to make Broward County a safer community. And... If I might, I'm just going to share uh, the, the stories of the two recipients. Charmaine Buckner, on May 30th, 2016, a 911 cellular call from the city of Pembroke Pines came to Ms. Mrs. Charmaine Buckner, communications operator three at the Broward County North Regional Consolidated PSAP. A young woman on the line was screaming, my baby is drowning, and gave a partial and incorrect address before being disconnected. Ms. Buckner quickly plotted the longitude and latitude coordinates of the call into the system software to provide the first responders with the full and correct address. Her quick thinking and expertise no doubt saved this child's life, and for that she is a recipient of this year's Tom Gallagher Award. And on November 26th, November 26, 2016, Aaron Kafka, telecommunicator, telecommunicator Coral Springs Police Department PSAP, dispatched a critical in-progress call to emergency responders after a report of shots fired at the Coral Square Mall. Needless to say, this became a complex situation that could have turned into a nightmare if communications broke down. Aaron was able to multitask on this call, remaining calm, collected, and efficient throughout the call. 
During her career, she has handled over 4,500 911 emergency and non-emergency calls and has dispatched over 13,500 calls to police and fire units. She has been instrumental in the start of the new computer-aided dispatch system, and today we congratulate her as she is the second recipient of the Tom Gallagher Award for 2017. Okay. They let their work do their talking, so they're going to accept the award. And if we could, we'll all take a photo up there with the Gallagher family as well. Come down or stay up? Stay up. Yeah, we've got enough people where we can come up there. He wants it all to himself. (laughs) You want to carry the phone up there? Pretend up there. The smile, he does that as well. Mr. Our final proclamation of the morning is going to be presented to Friends of the Library for Friends of the Library Month, and that is Vice Mayor Beam Fur. Thank you, Mayor. Uh, I am joined here today by Friends of the Library, uh, as well as our new director, Kelvin, uh, Kelvin um, Watson, and Laura Connors, our assistant director, and my old professor, <laughs> Barbara Carell. Um, this is, we have one of the best libraries anywhere in the world. We really do. And the best, the best. And it's made, even, it's made the best 
by having the Friends of the Library that are there. They, they take ownership of the place. Uh, they, they help us uh, by letting us know what it needs, by uh, providing kind of input, and really by, by offering all kind of programs and bringing things together. I just want to say you guys do a great job. For, and on, on behalf of all of us, I want to thank you for what you do for all, for all the libraries. Um, libraries, uh, I, I heard a quote the other day that I really liked and said, libraries are places where you can dream with your eyes wide open. Uh, and I like that. I like that. And it's, uh, it, it's when we have everybody in there reading books, that's what they're doing. So this is a uh, proclamation for uh, National Library Week. Whereas libraries promote convenient, unrestricted access to information and service centers for lifelong learning, providing access to a full range of innovative and cost-effective services that satisfy the changing needs of the people of Broward County for information, education, and recreation, and whereas libraries bring together community members to enrich and shape the community, and whereas libraries endeavor to meet both the traditional and changing needs of the communities, provide resources and programs for all ages and backgrounds, and develop adult, teen, and children's services both within and outside the library walls. And whereas libraries offer a broad range of print and digital materials, expert research, readers' advisories, e-government and technology services, including maker spaces, with cutting-edge equipment and serve as community centers, as well as provide programs vital to jobs, health, education, and other needs. And whereas libraries continue to grow and evolve in order to keep pace with innovation and to provide leadership and guidance to their communities. And whereas customers, librarians, library staff, friends of the Broward County Library Incorporated, and supporters across America are celebrating National Library Week, now therefore be it proclaimed by the Board of County Commissioners of Broward County, Florida, that the Board hereby designates the week of April 9th to the 15th, 2017, as National Library Week in Broward County, Florida, in recognition of all that libraries do to make our community a a place of excellence and, and encourages all residents to visit their, their local libraries to take advantage of the many resources and services available. And I'd like to ask uh, Mimi Hershenson, who will speak on behalf, of, on behalf of the Friends. Thank you. I'm the president of the Friends of Broward County Libraries, and on behalf of all the Friends groups, I would like to thank you for this proclamation. The Friends are primarily an advocacy group working behind the scenes to support all libraries in the county library system. We appreciate your recognition of the value that libraries bring to our citizens by providing such services as programs for preschoolers, SAT, ACT, preparation classes for high schoolers, computer classes, and enrichment for all ages. Thank you for continuing to be our partner in enriching the lives of all residents. Madam Mayor, may I make a brief comment? Yes, Commissioner Gell, go right ahead. Thank you, Madam Mayor. Um, actually, two things. First, um, while I was speaking with someone last week, a friend describing what the job of the county commissioner was. One of the things I mentioned was the libraries. And the question that I received from my friend was, well, libraries, aren't they sort of a dying institution these days with everything electronic? And I 
quickly clarified that that was clearly not correct, that libraries are as important as they ever were. Uh, Vice Mayor Fur and I, a couple of weeks ago, maybe six weeks ago, were at uh, the grand opening of uh, the Pembroke Pines uh, Library for, set for weekend hours. The place was jammed. There were no parking spots available. So certainly, you know, I want to add my comments that libraries are fully as important as they ever were, and if not more so. I also had one question for Vice Mayor Furr. Um, if the Vice Mayor can tell us if he knows, how many actually elected librarians are there in the United States? <laughs> he says just one. Are we gonna, really, I've never heard that, that before. <laughs> just one. <laughs> Madam Mayor, as, as everyone's getting sat down, our friends of the library, I want to I thank them for their strong advocacy for the Galt Mile Reading Room and the expansion that's going to take place there soon. And thank Laura and Kelvin. Welcome to, the, welcome to the county, and we'll get you caught up in the project. But also the great library that we saved and built with the city of Pompano Beach over on the beach, uh, the beach branch, and a brand new one coming uh, by City Hall in Pompano Beach soon. So stay tuned. Thank you so much. And if I may, Mayor, just add that the libraries have become learning centers. And, and the ones in my district plays a fundamental role in helping our children. This summer, again, for I think the fifth time, we're having a youth development program uh, through the library system in Central County. And of course, the African American Research Library and Cultural Center is a destination uh, for all of the people of Broad County and, and tourists that do stop in sometimes when they are displays and even if there's nothing going on there people still come by because it's such an iconic place thank you I, I wanted to also mention and you kind of took my words Commissioner Holness that uh, the friends of the library do a lot to be certain that Broward County libraries are certainly alive and doing well uh, lifelong learning centers from pre-k to seniors and uh, assisting so many people in improving job skills and in small business development. You do so much for us, and we're grateful. Commissioner Udine, to close. Briefly. So I cut through the library the other day to go to lunch with some of the office staff people that were here. The, no, but the library that we have downtown right here has the greatest collection of 3D printers. If you guys haven't seen that, I encourage everybody to stop by that library because... What the county provides there is changing the world, literally, with 3D printing, and it's just a great thing that we have. Okay. So thank you very much for your patience. We are now going to start our agenda. I have a few public participation reminders. For those of you in the audience, please turn off or silence your cell phones. While your music is inviting to you, it's disruptive to the meeting. Any member of the audience who wishes to address the County Commission on any item on today's agenda, please come forward and fill out a speaker form that looks like this. It's located to my right on the dais. Once an item is called, no further speaker signups will be allowed. If you plan on speaking on any item today, please come forward and sign up.
When you're called upon, you'll have three minutes to speak. Please keep your comments brief and to the subject being discussed. We ask that you address the commission in a polite manner and that you refrain from making impertinent or slanderous remarks or personal attacks. If you fail to do so, your microphone will be turned off and you'll be escorted out by security or law enforcement. We ask that those of you in the audience today respect the views of the others that are speaking. As such, we do not allow any applause, cheering, booing, or catcalls during or after speaker comments. But you can do spirit fingers. All right, now I'm gonna meet the Tuesday morning memo. The following requests are submitted for your consideration. Consent items are items one through 35. Public hearing items are 36 through 42. Regular and supplemental items are 43 through 55. There are no withdrawals and no Scribner's errors today. I request without objection that items 44, 46, 47, 48, 49, 51 and 52 be moved to consent. Additional information, item number seven, exhibit one, signature page has been received. Item number 47, summary, explanation, background, paragraph six. Please note that 141,000 includes the owner's contribution amount for the grant programs and additional contributions that the owner made to the project. Additional material for the regular meeting. Item number two is a memo submitted by Human Services Department. Item number 48 is a replacement of Exhibit 1 submitted by County Administration. Item number 55 is a proposed settlement agreement submitted by County Attorney's Office. There are no additional public hearing um, items. With that, I'm going to go to the commissioners. Um, I have on item 45, 50, and I have 39 and 40 for questions only if those come off consent. We'll see where we go. Commissioner Udine, do you have any polls? Commissioner Rich. Commissioner Bogan. Um, you just said 45. That, that's not on consent, is it? No, I just talked about, I was just telling you what audience poll. No? Okay. Commissioner Ryan? Vice Mayor Furr? Uh, 47, just for a quick comment. Okay. Commissioner Lamarca? Uh, number three, and I would uh, like to leave 46 and 48 on for brief comment. Commissioner Holness? 17 and 28. Commissioner Geller? Uh, 13. Merely for purposes of announcing an abstention. County Administrator, anything? County Attorney? County Auditor? I got it. Okay, and Commissioner Rich? I'm sorry, I'm looking at the one that's the land use. It's, I think, believe 10. 10? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so at this point, I'm going to leave 47, 40. 46, 47, 48 on. Okay. So I need a motion for the consent agenda. Um, and we're going, to, we're going to leave 46, 47, and 48 on regular and not transfer those to consent because they were pulled by commissioners. And the consent agenda is minus items 10, 3, 17, 28, and 13. Do have a motion? Move it. Second. All those in favor signify by saying aye. aye. All opposed, let the record show that the consent agenda as amended passes unanimously. Commissioner Geller? Yes, ma'am, I'm reading the same thing. 
You just this have to say yes. Item 13. Yes. No, your yes on the consent agenda. Yes, ma'am. Okay. I did say yes. Okay. Sorry. I just wanted to make sure your vote was recorded. All righty. So Thank the, you, the, the first item pulled from consent is item number three, Commissioner Lamarca. Thank you, Mayor. Um, as is, is customary when you spend uh, six years of your term up here uh, working on a project and see such great things going on, and we have such a such an excellent port staff, uh, director, deputy director, assistants, uh, our team that has gone to Tallahassee and to Washington over the over the past six years on this issue, even though it's a 20-year issue. Um, I want to, first of all, I want to thank Mr. Wiltshire, who's here, our deputy port director, um, and also let everyone know that we're the Port Everglades advocacy team is going to Washington tomorrow and Thursday to advocate uh, for funding. We've, uh, we've got full authorization. Now we just need the president to say, yes, we want to fund it. Uh, but just also to point out, uh, there was a PBMI done, but just to point out that the the uh, federal government has a large share of this, um, as well as the, there's a significant state portion that's in this item. Um, and then uh, the port and their team is trying to increase the amount of federal funding. So uh, it's an excellent project, and I just wanted to uh, really thank them. And uh, with that, I'll move the item. Okay, so I have a motion and a second. All those in favor of item number three, signify by saying aye. Aye. All opposed? Aye. Okay. Minute Secretary recorded your vote, um, Commissioner Geller. Okay. Thank you. The next item pulled from consent is item number 10, Commissioner Rich. Thank you, Madam Mayor. Uh, it, it, I, I felt I wanted to just um, address uh, an issue that I, I would be bringing up in an amendment form when this comes back to us. And that has to do with the, uh, with the word attainable being used solely in this document. Um, we, um, we had a big housing summit uh, this past week, which was extremely successful, about 200 people. Um, and everybody uh, that came to the event uh, came there because the focus was on affordable workforce housing. Uh, that's the whole uh, discussion we're having in Tallahassee with the Sadowski Housing Trust Fund. Um, I have actually a whole folder here of articles. There was a fabulous article in the Miami Herald this past week, Mary Ellen Class, who challenged this, the Speaker of the House in a question about affordable housing uh, because of the fact that the House has swept $224 million out uh, in their budget, not the Senate. And her article, again, says, where did $1.3 billion for affordable housing go? Every single article, everything that we do when we deal with Tallahassee deals with affordable housing. So when I met with uh, uh, Barbara uh, uh, Blake Boy and Henry Sneezek, I suggested that we really needed to change the word in this document, um, and they did. They agreed that it was it was fine. So, I, but I just wanted to, you know, let people know that um, I feel that we are kind of out of sync with everybody else in what the terminology is and the direction that we're trying to go in this county. Uh, the whole Alice report from United Way deals with the whole situation of affordable workforce housing. So just wanted to put that out there. Thank you. Um, well, I have a question. Yes. So are you saying you want to change this item with the wording to attainable? No. Just it, going it, forward? It, no. The, the document that was put out by uh, the, the, the Broward Next uh, document mm -hmm. um, sp speaks solely to attainable housing. 
that is really not, uh, the word doesn't have meaning to people. The, mean, the meaningful word to people is affordable workforce housing. And when I met with them, they are comfortable with that. Okay. Uh, but I wanted to alert people, this would not come until it comes back to us for okay. approval. Okay. Got That's it. Just, yeah. No problem. Okay. okay so I, yes, Commissioner Geller. Okay. Uh, not on the actual uh, motion or amending the language, but just to follow up on what uh, Senator Rich was saying, one of the problems in Tallahassee, which involves term limits, is a lot of the people up here are now saying that uh, there shouldn't be these trust funds and that it's okay to sweep all of the money. We passed this in 1992. I was in the legislature when we passed the bill that set up the Sadowski Act money. The only reason we were able to pass that over the objections, actually with the support of groups like the realtors who normally object to every doc stamp increase, was that the money was put into a trust fund. It would not have passed had it not gone into the trust fund with the understanding that that money could only go for affordable housing, but nobody is left in Tallahassee that remembers that that's the reason that they passed it. And they, as a lawyer, I can say, and I know there's a lot of lawyers on our commission, if any of us treated our trust funds the way the state of Florida treats their trust funds, we would be disbarred and in prison. Okay, thank you. Commissioner Rich? Yeah, I just wanted to make one follow-up comment. In a press availability uh, last week, uh, when, when, when uh, Mary Ellen Class from the Herald asked a, a question about the affordable housing, the speaker uh, seemed to really not understand uh, what affordable housing means because he responded by saying that we have too much money in affordable housing and we are, we are helping people that are salaried and employed. Well, yes, that's exactly the point. We are helping people that are salaried and employed who are making low wages. Broward is the worst. It's been fact-checked by Politico. We are the worst metropolitan area in the nation for the disparity between low wages and high cost of housing. So, uh, you know, this is, this is a critical issue, not only for us, it's all over the state, the same thing. That's why the Sadowski Housing Coalition has had press conferences working with the realtors, with everybody, to try and get people to understand, as Senator Geller says, you know, who no longer remember what this was for. Okay. Okay, thank thank you. you. All right. I had a motion and a second on item number 10. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Okay. Minute Secretary recorded your vote, Commissioner Geller. All right. The next thank item you, that was pulled from a consent agenda is yours, Commissioner Geller. That's item number 13. Thank you, Madam Mayor. I, it seems like I have to do this twice, one for the public hearing, one for the vote. This is merely a procedural item that sets a public hearing. My former law firm, Greenspoon Martyr, could benefit from this item depending on what happens on the, at the public hearing. But though I have no actual voting conflict because I am still due some compensation from the firm, I ask that the minutes reflect that I am abstaining on item 13 to avoid even the appearance of a voting conflict. And Commissioner Ryan, before you ask, it looks like currently that the my final compensation will occur in May or June. 
Thank you, Commissioner Geller. And I assume that you no longer have to read the script on that conference. Actually, I did have to read it. I'll move the item. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So do I have a motion on item 13 and a second? Okay. All those in favor of item 13, signify by saying aye. Aye. Okay. All opposed? Let the record show that that passes eight with one abstention. Thank you. Thank you, Madam Mayor. You're very welcome. Okay, the next item pulled from consent agenda was item 17, Commissioner Holness. Thank you. Uh, this is a piggyback contract we have with the state for Office Depot and Staples. And in my briefing with a county administrator yesterday, I, asked, I inquired whether or not uh, our local business could benefit by matching uh, the prices that they offer. And, and I was told, yes, is that correct? Uh, this morning, anyhow. That's correct. So it, it, it would be good if or departments are aware that this can be done so that wherever there is the possibilities of our local businesses, especially our small businesses, being able to match any of these pricing uh, that Broward County local small businesses benefit from it. Okay. And can we send something out to our, our staff too? Absolutely. Okay. I thank you. And with that, I move the item. Thank you. I have two speakers in queue. Commissioner Bogan followed by Commissioner Udine. Well, what I'd like to ask our administrator is, uh, and following up to Commissioner Holness, if that's the case and we could have local businesses or small businesses take advantage of this, why can't we defer this to see who could benefit now? Or is that not possible? Um, it is possible, but you, there's a, a laundry list of items that, that are encompassed in this item. And the... Um, uh, the, our small businesses may or may not have everything that, that um, uh, our organization uh, would need. Um, there are instances that where I know that they, they would go to somebody local today, so it's not that they don't know that that opportunity exists. But this is an, uh, um, an, an item where the state purchased a lot of big things in bulk, and, um, and it's a wide variety of items. Commissioner Udine? I just want to make sure that the county administration is following up with the different departments and staff on this because you don't have to use what's on this contract. This is just a base that's okay to mm -hmm. use. But in my, I mean, go to Amazon and small businesses that are local. You can beat a lot of these prices just by checking a lot of them. I just want to make sure that our departments are doing that. But I'll support. Okay, so I had a motion and a second on item number 17. All those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. All opposed? Aye. Let the record show that that passes nine, eight, nine to one, nine to zero. Sorry. Commissioner Geller's on the phone. Yes. All right. All right. Next one is um, pull firm's consent is item number 28. That was Commissioner Holness as well. Commissioner Holness. Yes. Uh, you know, often I, I asked for us to ensure we're supporting our small businesses, uh, minority women owned businesses. And here, uh, is one instance where one of our prime contractors have actually stepped up and gone beyond uh, what was necessary. Th this contract, uh, we set a goal for 25% for our small business participation. They committed to 25%. Uh, and to date, they have already paid out 51% of this contract to small business. So I just wanted to take the time to acknowledge Craven, Craven Thompson, uh, Mr. Tom McDonald,
for, for doing such a good job and for helping our small business grow and develop. Thank you, uh, Tom. And with that, I move the item. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. All opposed? Aye. Let the record show that that passes nine to zero. Okay, the next item pulled from consent is item number 46. Actually, hold on, give me a second. I gotta do public hearing items first, sorry. I'm skipping. I'm trying to get you out of here. I'm looking forward to Commissioner Holness's lunch. <laughs> <laughs> item 36. Yeah, jerk machine. <laughs> I'm getting some jerk chicken today. It's a motion to consider an issuance of a new license to provide non-emergency medical transportation services to execute ride transportation, to re executive ride transportation. Okay. There are no public speakers signed up, but this is a public hearing, so I'm gonna open up item number 36 to the public. Is there anyone from the public that wishes to be heard on item number 36? Seeing none, the public hearing is closed. Back Move to the, the stays. Second. Madam Mayor, Madam Mayor, Madam Mayor. Yes. Yes, sir. I yes. know this will be shocking, but in my <laughs> private legal practice, I represent American Ambulance which could be financially impacted. This is the only one that actually is a client of mine, uh, be financially impacted by the vote on this item. It is not clear that I have an actual voting conflict, but an abundance of caution. It says I'll be leaving the dais, but I'm not actually there anyhow, and will not be participating in the discussion of this item. I ask that the minutes of the meeting reflect that I've abstained from voting on item number 36. Thank you. I had a motion and a second. All in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. All opposed? Let the record show that passes with eight with one abstention. Item number 37, um, opening it to the public hearing. It is a motion to adopt a resolution to vacate a portion of the right-of-way, an access easement, and a utility easement, all lined within Track A of the First Presbyterian Church of Plantation, Platt, situated at 12700 West Broward Boulevard in Plantation, at no cost to the county. There are no speakers signed up on this item. Is there anyone from the audience that wishes to be heard on item number 37? Hearing none, the public participation is Second. closed. Second. Okay, all those in favor of item 37 signify by saying aye. Aye. All opposed? Commissioner Geller. I was an aye. Okay. Okay, so um, Commissioner Lamarca would like to be reflected as a voting yes on item 36. Commissioner Geller's a, a yes on item 37. So that would be a 9-0. Okay, item number 38 is a public hearing item. It's a motion to adopt a resolution to vacate a bus shelter, a easement, a bus landing pad easement, and a portion of a traffic control device easement. And right of way for Northeast 2nd Street and all lying within a portion of Parcel A of the Dania Beach Jaili Platte, situated at 301 East Dania Beach Boulevard in Dania Beach at no cost to the county. Um, this is a public hearing. Is there anyone from the public that wishes to be heard on item number 38? Seeing none, the public hearing is closed. Madam. Yes. Madam Mayor. Commissioner Geller. Greenspoon Martyr is of council, is council on items 38, 39, and 40. Again, don't work there any longer. They do still owe me money, and therefore I will in the I will be abstaining to avoid the appearance of a voting conflict on 38, 39, and 40. Perfect. Is that okay for him to just read that one time, and then we'll just take up the 38, 39, and 40? Yes. yes. I'm sorry, I didn't hear the Snyder uh, no, mark. It's okay. It's okay. We're good. 
Yes, County yes. Attorney, we're good? We're okay, fine. perfect. Okay, so the public hearing on item 38 is closed. Back to this desk for a motion. So moved. All those in favor of item 38 signify by saying aye. aye. All opposed, let the record show that that's eight with passes eight with one abstention. Okay, um, item number 39 is a motion to adopt a resolution to vacate a utility easement lying within tract A of the Gaddis Platte situated at 1750 Sterling Road in Dania Beach at no cost to the county. Public hearing is open on item 39. Seeing none, the public hearing is closed. Back to this day is for a motion. Second. All those in favor of item number 39 signify by saying aye. aye. All opposed, let the record show item 39 passes eight with one abstention. Item number 40 is a motion to adopt a resolution to vacate two ingress egress easement lines lying within parcel A, IMI lands plat situated at 1500 Northwest 1st Street in Dania Beach at no cost to the county. Uh, the public hearing is now open on item number 40. Is there anyone from the public that wishes to be heard? Seeing none, public hearing is closed. Back to this day is for a motion. All right, all those in favor of item number 40 signify by saying aye. aye. All opposed, let the record show item number 40 passes eight with one abstention. Okay. The next item on public hearing is 41. It's a motion to adopt a resolution to vacate platted landscape buffers L-1 and L-2 lying within portions of parcel A, Griff's Western at Coconut Creek Platt, situated at 5730 State Road 7 in Coconut Creek at no cost to the county. Is there anyone from the audience that wishes to be heard on item number 41? Seeing none, the public hearing's closed. Dais, motion. All those in favor of item 41 signify by saying aye. 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 All opposed? Let the record show that passes 9-0. All right, motion, to, uh, the next item on public hearing is a motion to adopt a resolution to vacate a utility easement lying within parcel A, Griff's Western, at Coconut Creek Platte, situated at 5730 State Road 7 in Coconut Creek. At no cost to the county, petitioners, all those, in, uh, all those from the audience that wish to be heard on item number 42, please stand up now and come to the podium. If not, public hearing is closed. Back to this dais. All in favor of item 42 signify by saying aye. aye. All opposed? Aye. Let the record show 42 passes 9-0. All right, that concludes our public hearing. Now we're back on to regular agenda. The first item on the regular agenda is item number 43. Um, it's a motion to open the meeting as the Director of Procurement Authority for request of letters of interest on number N133741414R3 Broad County Convention Center Expansion and Headquarters Hotel Projects. I believe we have some presentations. Yes, no, maybe? Y yes, yes, we do. We're okay. gonna have Mr. Alan Cohen uh, kick it off and then uh, we'll have our presenter oh. make a presentation. Where are the baked goods, Alan? Where are the goods? Oh. We'll discuss that later, Madam Mayor. <laughs> okay. Uh, good morning, Mayor, Vice Mayor, Commissioners, esteemed staff. Um, I promised I'd get you out of here relatively quickly. I'm going to keep that promise. Um, so I'm just going to kind of lay the groundwork for the presentation by Mr. Matthews and his associates. Um, and let's see, there we go. So I'm going to just quickly go through some of the considerations, the site conditions that 
were relative uh, to this project, and then the Matthews team will provide you a design update and then take questions. For the edification of our viewing audience, both here and on TV, the convention center is located uh, at the edge of our port, right near, next to uh, the intercoastal. Uh, it's side by side with various port activities. This is the convention center site itself, and there are, as you see by this long list, a variety of different considerations that the developer had to take into account when developing uh, the, the, the conceptual design drawings that you're going to be looking at today. So first on the list, the DRI Development of Regional Impact, which was created in the late 80s, and that provides entitlements and required mitigation. Uh, we will be going in for an entitlement reallocation with the city by filing a notice of proposed change. So the actual amount of entitlements in the DRI limits how large this project can be. So that's a constraining factor for us. The port, uh, which is the uh, actual port security zone, is adjacent to this development site. And some of it will actually impinge on the dock area that's uh, facing our facility. And you'll see that in the drawings itself. So that's a constraint as far as how we develop uh, different parts of the site. The water is also constrained because that red line that you see is a water-based security zone maintained by the Coast Guard. And so there are restrictions on how that water can be used, and that's why uh, some time ago the concept of an inner harbor uh, was set aside because the Coast Guard didn't want small craft coming in and out of this water security zone. Um, the, the blue uh, uh, 3D object there is meant to simulate a hotel tower. On the right hand, your right-hand side on 17th Street, we're allowed to have balconies or terraces. On the left-hand side, we can't because those would have line of sight to both the cruise ships and the oil tanks that are uh, to the west. And so these are also additional design constraints. Port operations. Those two white boxes indicate areas that are actively used by the port for what are called GTAs or ground transportation areas. We're going to be partially demolishing the North Port garage, and in so doing, we're going to have to make some modifications to the rest of the garage to accommodate this ground transportation area so trucks, buses, and taxis, and even uh, personal vehicles can get in and out the way they do now, uh, and our cruise ships are still able to function properly. Uh, FDOT has a right-of-way, which actually extends further south than some people might realize. That access road that comes off of 17th Street is in the FDOT right-of-way, and the white line indicates the right-of-way extending all the way over the Eisenhower Boulevard. So that little northwest corner of the property is also not available for us uh, to develop. Future expansion at the top there, we're uh, planning on expanding at some time in the future the exhibition halls that we have. This is our opportunity to create some contiguous exhibition space. So that's something that we have to plan for now, um, and we've been mindful of that, as well as uh, planning for the possibility of expanding the hotel itself. Uh, FAA height limit is 320 feet for this site. So that's a constraining factor that we had to design around. The sailfish fountain, which we hope to be moving, that actually has to be done in collaboration with the artist. Uh, the artist has federally protected rights. And if uh, he doesn't agree in this case, then that fountain is staying right there. We are working cooperatively with Mr. Olberg. 
uh, view sheds. There's a view shed from the existing center that we want to uh, enhance. There's also view sheds from the north that the city is very interested in seeing maintained, and another view shed from Eisenhower to the water that the city is very interested in enhancing. These are all considerations that are included in the design that you'll be looking at. Um, also, the city was very, uh, one of their top three priorities was waterfront activation, and you'll see the design reflects uh, significant activation of the waterfront. There were a whole bunch of easements associated with this. Many of these were extinguished with the acquisition of the portside leasehold interest. There are still uh, some access and utility easements that will be addressed as we move forward. This is another easement that I don't know if you've seen this uh, particular graphic before, but the Army Corps of Engineers actually has an easement to maintain uh, the waterways, and that easement, if you look closely in the upper left-hand corner, includes the peninsula on the site. And they technically have the right in the extreme to dig up the entire peninsula. So that's a constraining factor and, and you know, kind of mitigated what might or might not be built on that piece of property. The wave, uh, that we're considering extending the wave to 17th Street and running it through this site, possibly looping underneath the causeway, possibly terminating closer to the Eisenhower 17th intersection. These are, this is another factor that we considered. Parking, the two white boxes are areas of parking that are gonna be removed, uh, totaling over 1,000 parking spaces uh, that we have to mitigate for. The two yellow boxes represent two potential uh, parking projects. One is already in design, the top one, and that's the new Terminal 2, Terminal 4 parking garage. The second one, the lower box, represents a possible extension of the Northport parking garage to also make up for additional parking spaces. Two other factors that, of course, have to be considered as we design and move forward with our schedule. One is continuity of operations for the existing center. We have a lot of clients signed up. We intend on keeping our word and providing a first-rate experience to them. And of course, Fort Lauderdale's number one concern is traffic. And that's why it's so big. So, and there are a number of design elements that you'll see that are specifically in this design to address uh, that issue. This is what you first saw several years ago as part of the master planning process to give you just a sense of where we could go. This is what Matthews proposed when they first came to us, and this design, while it had some merits to it, was not reflective of some of our priorities nor of the priorities of the city. What Mr. Matthews is now going to come forward with is a new design that was um, worked on uh, collaboratively between the Matthews team and the county team and with a significant input from the city of Fort Lauderdale. Mayor, are we going to have uh, questions after all right. speakers Right. I thought present? that we would let them get through their presentations. You go ahead and write your questions down, and then at the end, they can ask. You can ask the questions. Thank you. So I just want to be clear: we have not done business, uh, nor do we owe, owe uh, Commissioner Geller any money. <laughs> You're in the minority. <laughs> Damn. I wish I had all this money people are talking about. I'm just brave when you're not in the room. So. The, um, we, came, uh, we came the first time. We talked about a, a circular development 
in the sense of coming at it, looking at all the different things. And Alan's done a great job of showing you a, a number of the constraints. On top of that, there are constraints like the neighbors to the, uh, to the north, um, that the, the traffic in the city is, Alan put it in brick lights, but it's a, it's a serious thing that we've got to work through. So what we're trying to do is bring the traffic into the site as, as quickly as possible and keep it on the site so it's not going in and off the, uh, off the road. What I'll do uh, right now is um, John uh, Cardillo will take you through the, the site and then uh, I'll do the easy stuff with the pretty pictures, but uh, really um, open to any, any questions. But we're just you know about halfway into the circle right now of, of development and it's really going at it, figuring out what's, what's right for the, for the actual user of the convention center, what's right for the user of the hotel, what's right for the, for the uh, the general public going by it and the, the county residents and so it's just a it's a continual deal down to the uh, down to the target so uh, we're we're getting there we're not quite there yet but I'll let uh, John take you to where we are right now John Cardello Stantec architecture 2 south Biscayne Boulevard Miami Florida uh, thank you so much for having us here today as we begin to think about these type of projects uh, the public realm and the civic duty of ourselves is the most important. How we integrate into the communities and provide connections and opportunities to strengthen the neighborhood and the connection to the neighborhood. Uh, here you see a rendering of, of the building. Uh, you're looking at the portside site that's been vacated uh, where we've located the hotel. Uh, you also see the drop-off uh, directly in front of it. And as we go through the presentation, you'll notice uh, one of the main concerns was uh, how we mitigate traffic and people coming onto the site and management of that. Uh, we've included queuing of all the hotel property on the site uh, so that it creates a movement there that is very functional. And you'll see that in the plans as we move forward. Uh, to give you an overview of the components, uh, you see here in purple is the location of the proposed hotel. The orange colors exhibit halls and convention center expansion. Uh, on the back side, the light yellow color is the future expansion. Uh, and then probably uh, most importantly, the three components are the visitor center on the corner, the, the blue box. We wanted to give identity, so as people came into the site, they had uh, an opportunity to go get information and basically circulate uh, within the complex. Two, uh, on the corner, you see the pink color. Uh, that is the wave in the multimodal transpor transportation node so that public transportation can get onto the site, access the facilities, and have uh, integration into it. And three, you see the green areas. A unique aspect of this is the integration of uh, outdoor space and green areas that makes this a unique destination for a convention center over other options. Uh, it gives the opportunity for you to uh, get to the waterfront, uh, have exhibits that are interior or exterior, and really give that flexibility. Uh, uh, we also have a, a component of sustainability in mind that we want to make sure we uh, hold true to. Uh, as you see the first floor, uh, uh, the ground floor plan, you see on 17th, we've worked very uh, diligently to create a queuing zone uh, that has capacity to take all the traffic that would be for the incoming and outgoing traffic uh, for the hotel. In addition, uh, we have a loop there that allows for direct access into the parking garage so we are not taking cars off the property, uh, but bringing them directly into the property and into the program directly. Uh, the purple color is uh, the visitor center on the corner, and you can also see there uh, a direct turn in uh, to the parking from that uh, street as well. Uh, as you uh, go further over to the blue box, you see the expansion of the exhibit halls. 
uh, and on the bottom left corner, you see the central plant. Now, that's a core component because there's some demolition on the north side of the convention center that would need to be done. Uh, and this gives us the ability to replace the uh, central plant and facilities before that demolition occurs to make sure that we have seamless operation through the project. Uh, a key aspect of that view cone from the exit from the convention center where the turnaround is, uh, is that you have direct view to the water. It's on the top. Yep. Going left or right at the top. Yeah. Commissioner, what's confusing is that there's a white area to the left and then a pink area to the right. The pink area is actually underneath the causeway, and we're showing that as a future area. Uh, as we go to the ground, uh, the first floor plan. One important aspect of this project is the integrated of the interior spaces so that you can go from the hotel to the convention center and the exhibit hall seamlessly uh, within the complex. Uh, that's shown by the red colors between there. Uh, you also see the blue uh, exhibit halls that are expanded on the right-hand side and the existing convention center on the left-hand side. Uh, note here you also see the outdoor plaza uh, that would basically have activated retail on the northern side in order to give activity to that center. Uh, as we come up to the upper floors, you see the interconnectivity between the hotel component as well as the convention center components so that there's a seamless movement of people between their stay to the exhibit halls and activities that are happening within the complex. Uh, you see the uh, parking on the upper left-hand corner to the hotel on the lower levels. That would be uh, serving the hotel component. And again, as we continue up, you see, the, again, the red connectivity between the uses in the convention center and the expanded programs within there. Just to cover uh, quickly on the expansion of meeting and exhibit space, there's 70,000 square feet of exhibit hall being expanded, 64,000 square feet of ballroom and multipurpose room and a total of 41,000 square feet of meeting space, that's in including a 13,000 square foot junior ballroom. On the hotel, there'll be 800 keys within the hotel. Uh, that'll also include 40,000 square feet of meeting space and a 40,000 square foot ballroom. In addition, uh, on the north side, there will be uh, significant retail, food and beverage, and hotel amenities as well. Uh, Again, as we continue to uh, extend up, you see the programming of uh, the SMG offices as well as the parking on the north side. And oops, there it goes. And then as we come up to the next level, uh, this is a unique feature. Uh, on the uh, uh, conference center on the south side, you see the outdoor roof terrace. This gives the ability for different types of events to occur with the meeting space surrounding around it. You have outdoor e events in the evening, uh, and really have a different type of activity that a lot of convention centers don't offer as an option. So this is really provides us as a unique destination. On the north edge where the hotel is, you see uh, the outdoor pool deck amenity areas uh, that show a concept to this uh, that could be reshaped uh, as we continue to refine design. And uh, lastly, as we go up to the hotel, you see the uh, hotel room layouts uh, as they go east to west. Uh, and then the overall complex you see uh, on the uh, western side the future expansion of the convention center in the next phase and a possibility of another 400 rooms that could be extended onto the hotel. Uh, we want to just go through a few images here to give you some sense of what we're thinking. Again, this is conceptual, so this will continue to evolve. Uh, branding is important. We wanted to make sure we got uh, identity to 17th. 
so that there is identity and connection to the urban fabric and that we extended that public realm identity for the project. Uh, as you come and we're at the bridge looking back in the evening, uh, this will give a presence to the waterfront edge uh, with outdoor space and green areas that could be uh, for events and circulation within those areas. And as we come up, this is a uh, more elevated view coming from the bridge. You see the continuity of outdoor space and the connections of those varying uh, types of spaces that could be for events, uh, program, uh, daily activity, walking, uh, that really begin to integrate this differently than other uh, convention centers. Uh, and then as we come down into the plaza between uh, the new expansion, this get, preserves the view corridor out to the water. Uh, it gives the opportunity for exhibits to be placed in that courtyard, uh, such as the boat shown. Those are not permanent. Those are intended to be part of an exhibit. But also includes elements such as water features that will give activity uh, to that space uh, during times where there's larger or smaller conferences and really allow it to be scalable. And then lastly, as we come around, uh, we see the view from the water looking back at the existing convention center entry, uh, preserving that view corridor out to the water. And thank you very much. And I'll pass it back to Jack. So you stole all my good slides, I want you to know. <laughs> all the easy stuff, you just took it and ran with it. But uh, actually, I want to point out, this is, this is a good one to look at. We're trying to make the front thank of you. the convention center come right out to 17th and Eisenhower. And so what you'll see in the bottom right of that is a, that logo on that is, is saying this is the convention right. center. And the, the entire planning of this, when you walk into the lobby of that hotel, which is pretty much in the middle of that uh, drawing, you, you walk into that lobby, you turn to your left, and you walk right into the uh, convention center. So it's not where many, most convention center hotels, you'll go across some, some bridge you'll, or you'll, you'll find, find a way to the convention center. This really integrates it. And uh, you'll also see we, we try to use the rooftops and take advantage of the beautiful views to the, out to the ocean as, as, as much as we could. So that's, um, that's, that's the show as, as we are right now. So I'd be happy to go to any questions. No, no, that's all right. I'm just going to add one comment. So um, from staff's perspective, we are very pleased with the advances that we've made in design. From a site plan perspective, we're doing really, really well. Architecturally, we also believe we've advanced, but we recognize that more can be done to punch this up a bit and to create the iconic uh, destination that many of you have spoken to us about. Um, and as the architects will be the first to tell you, once we get into schematic design, that's the real opportunity for them to sink their teeth into it and to come up with those ideas to make this, uh, you know, a, a truly outstanding design that you'll be very proud of. Anything else? Okay. Questions? So the first person... Madam Mayor, if you can add me to the queue, please. <laughs> yes, I can. Okay, so we've gotten queue. Commissioner Ryan, followed by Lamarca, Eudine, Bogan, Holness, and now Geller. There you go. There's been a lot of progress on the, um, the design and the site plan. Um, I represent this area of Port Everglades, and my colleague, Commissioner Lamarca, represents the uh, residential area that's immediately to the east and across uh, on the east side of the intercoastal. So he and I are, are quite aware of the concerns of the city of Fort Lauderdale. Um, with regard to the, um, the view shed, 
Uh, you've made concessions that are very important. I know that in my discussions with Fort Lauderdale City Commissioners and with a number of residents in the community, there was concern about siting the hotel uh, further west of the water's edge so that you would have that unobstructed view of the intercoastal and uh, the operations at Port Everglades. Uh, and you've also um, not only had the hotel sited a little bit further to the west, but you've also moved everything a little bit further uh, south of 17th Street Causeway to allow for a wider corridor and, again, improving uh, the view shed. Uh, the number one issue that I'm hearing about is traffic. And you spoke about how you've addressed traffic on-site, but I hear more about traffic off-site. So first, on-site, you've gone ahead and I guess you have the vehicles that are coming in and they're queuing up off 17th Street Causeway, so there will not be any, I guess, backup that we would anticipate on 17th Street Causeway. The vehicles will be able to, to move quickly off 17th Street Causeway onto the uh, Hotel Convention Center site, and uh, we will avoid uh, the backup of vehicles that are traveling both uh, west and east on 17th Street Causeway. Is that correct? Uh, that is uh, correct, Commissioner. There is, a, you might call it a circuitous route, so when you come in off of 17th Street, instead of turning like this to the hotel, you're actually going to go in a serpentine manner, uh, and so you're going to have to make two turns to pull up in front. That not only creates the internal queuing space, but when you, uh, when your passenger gets out of your vehicle, they'll be doing so right next to the hotel, which is where you want them to be from a safety perspective. Uh, but we're creating queuing space for quite a few vehicles uh, to, you know, eliminate the possibility of a line of cars waiting for valet or something like that backing out onto 17th Street. Right, and you've established a site for, I guess, the. Uh public transit and also for the wave uh, if uh, future development of the wave would bring it to the convention center and that's far enough into the convention center site that we additionally will not have a backup of uh, buses and other mass transit. So if you look at the upper left hand corner of the drawing you'll see there's an existing cutout on 17th Street. We'll, be, we'll continue utilizing those for the buses and then Immediately below that, there's another strip of property that is for the wave. And what's interesting is once the wave starts uh, running, there might even be some trade-offs between the frequency of wave versus buses. So you might see bus usage increase over time, and then after the wave comes, possibly diminish. Uh, my colleagues are aware that we were able to redesign and um, reconfigure the site plan based upon uh, the county's purchase of that uh, Northport lease. That allowed us to move the hotel further um, uh, to the west. It also opened up that peninsular area that now appears that it will be like a, a public activity area. And I know that was something that was a big concern for the city of Fort Lauderdale, is that the public that may not want to go to the hotel or the convention center would still be able to access the site, would have unobstructed water views. And uh, if you could talk a little bit about what is envisioned on that peninsular area. All right, so uh, another point to underscore what you just talked about, one of the easements that I showed, that entire peninsula is subject to an Army Corps easement, and so we would not want to make a substantive investment on that piece of property that could get torn down at the Army Corps' whim. So 
what we're talking about instead is uh, a potential amphitheater for small performances surrounded by a number of small uh, buildings, uh, which would be eateries, uh, you know, drinkeries, uh, 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 drinkeries, okay. And, 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 and <laughs> thank you. And, uh, restaurants, bars, and shops. Restaurants, bars, and shops. <laughs> thank you for saving me, sir. And what's nice is that that space will play off very well with the podium immediately to the left, the first yellow one, because the bottom floor of that on the east and the north faces will also have retail entertainment establishments in them. So we're creating a, a little district there, which will not only be of interest to folks staying at the hotel and coming to the convention center, but to the community at large. So back to traffic, and this is going to be concluding my remarks, as I know that my colleagues wish to speak also on the item. Um, we have the issue of traffic on-site and off-site. So you've addressed how you're going to handle the, the traffic movement and control on-site. With regard to off-site, uh, there is currently um, a significant amount of traffic on 17th Street Causeway. It's not due to the convention center and uh, whether or not there's a convention center expansion and a hotel on this site. That traffic uh, congestion is not going to be relieved based upon what we do on site. But getting vehicles from, um, let's say, US-1 onto this site, uh, there's been a discussion about um, extending and, and constructing a roadway on Southeast 20th Street. So it would be parallel to Southeast 7, to 17th Street Causeway and to the south. It would run parallel and, and it would run through the port and it would affect some of the uh, the tank farms in order to um, have that 20th Street roadway get into uh, this site. Um, what discussions have you had or perhaps Mr. Matthews you can discuss with your um, architectural and, and design folks and the city of Fort Lauderdale at least in the conceptual stage to talk about this as an alternative because otherwise you know, I hear over and over uh, too much traffic, too much additional traffic, and um, it seems to be a big impediment on the development on this site. So what can you tell okay. me about that option? Um, let me go in the order that you asked the questions, if, if I may. Um, we are collaborating with the port on a number of different mitigating measures that could measurably impact traffic, how it's handled, and the backups that we currently see going to 17th Street. As you know, moving the security booth was an important step and that helped to alleviate the issue. Um, we are contemplating the new parking garage with, which is going to be built over the GTA. The, that, that GTA, the ground transportation area, is currently in the security zone. Um, we're contemplating cutting it out of the security zone. That would mean that people going to that area would not have to go through the security booths. That, that further reduces the number of people sitting in line to go to those booths. So that's um, an example of an improvement. There's some other tweaks in the roadway that we can make to add capacity. And we're adding capacity now during what we'll call peak volume times where we're actually changing outgoing lanes to ingoing lanes and adding a third security lane to facilitate uh, you know, a quicker check-in process, so to speak, to get through the port. So th there are things in process and things that we're contemplating uh, to hopefully remedy that. Regarding what we're going to do on the convention center site, I would tell you 
there's not necessarily anything design-wise that we can do other than capture that traffic and keep it on-site and not let it spill back out. But the sheer fact that we're building an on-site hotel is going to have a profound impact on traffic patterns. Not necessarily volume, but right now we do a lot of trade shows. And in those trade shows, we have a lot of traffic driving from all over our region, converging on the convention center at the same time within the relatively same hour or two to get there. And that's causing a lot of backups during those particular times. By expanding this convention center and putting the on-site hotel, we will be much more attractive to meeting planners who want to bring citywides to our community. Those citywides will bring in the type of traffic that is not regional in nature. People are going to be flying in and the like, and they're going to be doing so and coming to the site over a much more extended period of time, uh, which helps change traffic patterns. Some of those people are actually going to stay on the site. That's going to reduce shuttle activity back and forth from when they're going to the convention center and going to another off-site hotel. So there are some positive changes that will happen as a result of this. Regarding the roadway that you talked about, uh, that's a conceptual idea. Um, we have had discussions with the city about that. The county has made no commitment to it. I, it it's probably something that's going to come up during our discussions when we submit our notice of proposed change for the DRI. And uh, at that time, um, we will sit down and have a more substantive discussion about um, what we're going to do with that idea. I mean, we're going to have to address that issue because I, I, I will tell you the other alternative that I've heard from some elected officials with the city of Fort Lauderdale is to have some elevated access road or, or some other uh, roadway that could be secure to move traffic um, in and out of the convention center. And the cost is so prohibitively high. Uh, I, we, we need to have a plan B on traffic. You know, and perhaps what we're doing if we have a parallel roadway is we are through the, um, I guess, trade-off of getting uh, approvals for this site plan and this development, we're doing our effort to resolve existing problems on 17th Street Causeway. Not that are caused by the convention center, but through this development we're trying to alleviate existing traffic congestion. So I want to continue on this discussion and um, let's see if we can make some progress. And, and to you. your point, Commissioner, one final point is the, the intermodal facility itself will also lead to some mitigation of those conditions. Okay, thank you. The next person in queue is Commissioner Lamarca, followed by you, Dean. Thank you, Mayor. <clears throat> uh, Mr. Cohen. Yes, Commissioner. You've been here less than I have, but you know that when I first looked at leaving the quiet confines of uh, Lighthouse Point and the more monochromatic political spectrum that lies there, this was a big project <laughs> for me. This was a very important project to me, and we've, we've come back and... And I, I want to commend you. Um, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't spend too much time getting more iconic than this. This is pretty damn good. Um, I especially like the Infinity Edge pool. That can happen. I want to talk a little bit about the, and, and Commissioner Ryan mentioned something, the only way that this gets done, and we now see it on paper, is with 
is with the Portside purchase. So I, I thank you for designing a wonderful project right exactly where Portside is because that's the only way that we make everyone happy. So just for the, for the folks out there who had any concerns whether we were buying property we already owned, it wouldn't happen without that. So I wanna, I wanna commend the commission and the, and the administrator on making that happen. Um, with regard to, you, I'm just gonna go through some things. You, you mentioned one of our earlier visions was the Inner Harbor and while it was cool, and you know, it was unique, it, it's not gonna happen because of Coast Guard, uh, Homeland Security, all the other different security issues. Um, and you went into a little bit of the area where the peninsula is. Um, could you just touch on uh, the idea that small craft, water taxis, water vehicle, you know, any other water transportation can still access this site through either underneath the causeway, where the water taxi is now, more over towards the Hilton Marina, um, and really that space and how we share that space under the causeway. Uh, I'd be happy to, and, and first, thank you for your kind words, and um, I'd be remiss in not um, telling you that uh, every time, this is a team effort, and there are dozens of people working side by side on this project, and um, I hope to bring them with me uh, uh, at some point so that you can acknowledge their good work. Uh, if you look at the upper right-hand corner of the slide before you right now, you'll see two white boxes in the water. Um, the, the, the smaller one is representative of the water taxi. That water taxi currently sits underneath the causeway footprint. We're hoping to move it uh, just south, and I've, I've initiated a con uh, conversation with Mr. Jackson from the water taxi company uh, regarding this. Uh, he seems uh, positively inclined. Walker, Bill Walker? I'm sorry, Walker, excuse me, I, I, I misspoke, uh, yes. Mr. Walker, and um, so by bringing it south, uh, we bring it into line of sight, not only of our site, but also importantly of the intermodal center, so that we're linking more modes of transportation together. The larger box south of that represents a, a temporary dockage area for charter boats to service the convention center. So that, that would be yet another selling point for us that when we bring groups in, we can say, hey, one of the amenities that we can offer you is uh, an evening cruise uh, along our waterways showcasing our community. Uh, and what better way for us to do so and try and get folks back. Um, and so by temporary dockage, we would not be permanently blocking the vista. Mm -hmm. And so folks who are coming out to that peninsula that want to look at the water would most times be able to do so, but that boat would be able to come in and safely dock and take passengers on. Okay, you've covered everything except for the idea that maybe we have uh, hundreds of thousands of small craft owners in, in South Florida, and uh, so, uh, that's we, the majority of what we have down here. Okay, Would they have so any place to get to? The, here's the difficulty. The space that I just showed you for those two are not part of the navigable waterway. That's a little to the uh, east, um, and south of that, you'd be coming into the port um, water security zone. So that's not an option. So we're, we're providing what we believe are the most important functions okay. uh, to come there. And um, uh, we would have to have a conversation with the Coast Guard about the idea of facilitating uh, watercraft to come up to this area. It's okay. not something we've considered, but we'll, well, we'll I, take I think, a look I at I think it. what you left open was an opportunity for the folks at the Hilton Marina and that entire part of the underneath the causeway going north for an opportunity for that because we certainly get in the middle of the navigable waterway when we have the boat 
show. True, and by moving the water taxi, we enhance their capacity just a little. They've told us that. So there, there will be a little more dock space available for them to, to okay. run out. Uh, traffic mitigation, uh, my colleague has touched on a, a lot of the concerns of the neighborhoods, Harbor Inlet, Harbordale, Rio Vista, and other areas. Um, you are, in, in providing this presentation in those HOA meetings, you're, you're explaining to them that we're getting traffic off 17th Street. Uh, you, in other words, that's a big part of your conversation? It's, it's a very big part of the conversation, and, and I'll also share with you a commitment that we've made not only to those HOAs but the city of Fort Lauderdale. We're going to be doing a traffic study as part of the site plan application. We've committed to jointly developing the methodology for that study with the city of Fort Lauderdale and then bringing it to the HOAs to share with them and have them contribute to the methodology. Okay. By doing so, we get buy-in, and when the results come out, whatever they are, it's going to be a lot harder for folks to say, you know, to, de to try and debunk them, so to speak. Right. It's, it's, a, it's not a perceived problem. It's a problem, and uh, we can't ignore it, so I'm glad we're going to take it on uh, in, in conjunction with them. Um, where you, the way the, the coming in off the service road, you put that um, parking uh, schematic back up, or the you know traffic flow schematic. Uh, when people come in and do the serpentine and all that, it, where, where would taxis, TNCs, or other other modes of transportation outside of buses and trolleys and that? Okay, thing? so if you if you look at this slide, um, so when you come in off the road, uh, and mm -hmm. you can just see the the drop off zone at the very top, I, I think on your screen, mm -hmm. um, if if you're coming off the road instead of going the serpentine route, the buses would come off, make uh, that first right. And then head straight, straight down. And then and be right in front of the convention center. The, the existing cutout that we have in front of the convention center will be enlarged. And the, the north end of that enlargement is designed to accommodate buses for the hotel. And if you look closely at the drawing, you'll see uh, doors on that side of the hotel to facilitate folks getting off of those buses and walking right into the hotel lobby. Uh, taxis and Uber would use the same route as uh, cars. cars would. So they would just drop somebody off instead of valeting or whatever they would Correct. leave? Correct, yes. Okay. Um, how, how do folks on that other, if you can go to the schematic that includes 17th Street, how do people leave the site? So um, if uh, so, you're, you're coming out of the garage, there are two options. And the parking garage, the, that odd-shaped, longer yellow structure to the left, the entrance to the parking garage is on the south side of that. Mm -hmm. So that's where people are coming in and out. So when I'm coming out of there... I can go straight to Eisenhower Boulevard, and if you see, that is now aligned with 18th Street across the road on, on the back of the Walgreens. Mm -hmm. uh, and so you'll be able, and there's an existing cutout there too. So the folks will be able to, the cars will be able to make a right, and if we have any trucks that are coming out of the loading dock, they potentially could also turn there, although most of the trucks we're going to have actually run the back of the convention center and come out 20th and then make a left and go through the port. Okay. Um, with regard to the, the, it looks like that northwest corner where the visitor center slash CVB yes. would be, That is that a lane to the north of it, to that the, white area in between the two pink lines? No, that is actually uh, where the, inter, uh, excuse me, where the wave is going to okay. be. Okay. So to get to this site, if you don't use the service road, You'd, you'd come south on Eisenhower and make a left into the parking garage? 
you, uh, yes, okay. the, the traditional way that you come to the site right now. Okay. And we'll be, this drawing shows no changes to that right now, but we're going to be making some significant improvements to that to improve the user experience and to also create some capacity, uh, not only to enhance the GTA that I mentioned earlier, but to make sure the traffic flows more smoothly in and out. Okay. One, of, one of our concerns is eliminating the multi-hour waits that people sometimes experience when we have thousands of people leaving the facility at the same time. Gotcha. Um, on, on the uh, two things, and then I'll conclude. The Sailfish Fountain, I didn't see where, we're, where we would Sailfish Fountain, if you look directly north of the entrance the to the blue. hotel, there's a long rectangular uh, water feature, and that's where the Sailfish Fountain is slated to go right now. You see that light blue... That's in front of the serpentine area? Correct. It's in the middle of the serpentine area. Okay. Yes. Can we work it in there? Is, there? is that size and all that? You've got it scaled? Well, so the, the actual footprint of the fountain is something that we have some flexibility with. Mr. Olberg did not dictate that. The county actually created a platform which was larger than he originally envisioned, and he's fine with downsizing it. We've had those conversations. So we can, him. and that will also offer the best visibility from... 17th Street. Exactly, and to, that's what okay. he's very excited about is for more people to have act, visual access Excellent. to his artwork. Excellent. Um, two more things, almost there. Well, the, I, you didn't mention it, but you and I spoke about it. We talk a lot about um, walking the walk. We have a lot of great ideas in the environmental uh, ecosystem for this community, whether it's in the water or on land. And one of the things we talk about alternative energies all the time we really don't implement them on our buildings as of yet, and I saw that you had on the uh, expansion. If you could tell me uh, so what's if you on. So if you look at the slide on the screen right now, the mm -hmm. left-hand side with our convention center expansion, that top surface are um, solar panels. And I, so I, I would say that maybe one of the things we want to do is one of our best community partners uh, is Florida Power and Light. You know, they're involved in the Museum of Discovering Science. They're involved in lots of other you know, science-based areas. They may want to partner with us on something like that. Just we, we will have that conversation. Um, and then finally, Mr. Uh, Matthews, two things. One, one is you, you had mentioned the distance to the convention center. And when, I think the first time you and I talked, I counted the steps two years ago at the NACO conference in New Orleans stayed at the Hilton, which is the headquarter hotel, and the convention center in New Orleans is walking through a former waterside warehouse, which is an outlet mall, and at the end of that, you go down an escalator and then walk across the street in the sun to get, or in the elements, to get to the convention center building. That was about 1,200 steps. It looks like we're going to elim eliminate about 1,100 of those. Okay, 1199 of them. Okay. Yeah. Okay. One, one last thing. Do you have do you have your uh, any any folks here from your uh, construction team Balfour and their partners? Yes. You guys want to uh, you want to talk to them or just have uh, stand up? Just just stand wanted up, to I see Mr. Mr. Longer. I just want to uh, uh, acknowledge that we we have a great team put together and I I'd, I'd like to maybe if if you want to mention or if they want to talk about has there been any work yet to put the the construction team together? Uh, outside it's, of obviously having drawings and all that, but I mean, no, that's undergoing right now. So we've okay. we've really in discussions with the five local firms. Okay, and uh, so those conversations are happening as late. You covered this my morning. point. You said five local firms. I'm good. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Udine. Most of everything I was going to ask has been covered, so I'm not going to be repetitive other than to thank Alan for taking me out to the site and actually walking me beam by beam and showing me where 
not that beam, regular beam. It's showing me where parking, lot, where parking lots are going to come down and explaining all this actually out there. And as a newer member of this board, I guess if Chip was Lighthouse Point's representative, I was Parkland's representative to the port. So as a newer member of the board, I'm supportive of this. Um, I know that there are a lot of challenges in construction and design and layout. Uh, I'm hopeful that the professional team can finalize this with minimal messing up of nine of us up here and getting it done in a professional uh, time frame manner so this can be something that can serve the public. But as a new person, I'm very supportive of this. Thank you. Thank you. A Alan said I couldn't talk like that, so I appreciate you saying that. <laughs> Commissioner Holness? Yeah, first let me thank Mr. Matthews, Alan Cohen, and the entire team for getting us here. Uh, I don't know if we've been farther along the way after four tries. Uh, I, I think we are we're well positioned this time uh, to, to make it happen. But this is a very important project for Brock County and, it, and, and its residents. It's going to have a huge economic impact on the people of Broad. It's going to enhance the destination uh, for tourism uh, tremendously. And I want to make sure that however we get it done, we get it done, one way or the other. Uh, and, and I know we have Matthews put a lot of time and effort into this, but I know we also have the option if we don't make it, we can go out and do it ourselves. I want to make sure that we are prepared in whatever way possible to make this happen, to make sure that we deliver for the people of Broward County. Uh, because this has been a long time in coming. Uh, we've had many starts and stops, uh, but it's, it's certainly necessary. Uh, part of what I'm grateful for is the fact that uh, with uh, Sandy Michael's uh, shop, we, we've agreed to a 30% participation for our local small business, which will include a lot of uh, minority women-owned business in the process. Uh, but also, uh, my conversation with you is not only here at the construction level, but after. Uh, I want to make sure we have provisions in place. And if you want to talk a little bit about how we engage or small business or, or, or small enterprise and enterprises in Broward County to participate once the project is up uh, so that we can spread the opportunity for all the people of Broward County. Commissioner, once we have a clearer idea of what those opportunities might be, we'll either plug into an existing um, uh, event such as uh, the one that uh, you and Mr. McDonald have been putting on in recent years uh, to showcase business opportunities in the community, or we'll put together a standalone event uh, specific to it. Uh, but um, uh, I can't speak more on it now because we're not clear yet on what those opportunities would be. But uh, as you can see just from what we're talking about with the peninsula, there will be uh, several opportunities for small businesses. There should be additional opportunities within the podiums themselves uh, and perhaps other places on site, including uh, off-site underneath the causeway if in the future we can <laughs> strike an arrangement with FDOT and or the city of Fort Lauderdale to better utilize that site and create a stronger linkage between our site and the, the site to the north where the Hilton Marine is. And you answered that other question I was going to ask you. How are we tying in to the north, uh, w which is going to be important, and not only just for the, those business enhancement, but also for the circulation of traffic going underneath that bridge up north? Uh, I, I didn't see much of that displayed here, but I'm hoping we're working very closely with the folks to the north to make sure we have the seamless traffic movement 
uh, through, the, through the project and to the north also. What, what you'll see as we move forward are stronger pedestrian connections. You're not going to see anything other than that. We are not relying on any vehicular connections to the north. That's something that the city does not want to see, and we feel that we can manage our traffic without having to utilize that route. But definitely creating a pedestrian experience, not only for folks staying at that hotel, but along the rest of 17th Street and even coming from the Renaissance and under uh, as a, a more preferable route. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Commissioners, the hour is getting late. I'm off track now. So can we speed this up? The next person on cue is Commissioner Geller, followed by Commissioner Rich, finishing with Bogan. I will speed it up, Madam Mayor. Um, okay. Two issues only. Um, Alan, you, uh, as I watched all of your slides and heard you talk about this limitation and that limitation, you pretty well convinced me that we need to move the convention center. However, after I saw the Matthews presentation, I guess we can try and leave it there. Um, but that really is a very difficult site, um, including for traffic purposes. Let me ask one question. As we're, I noticed that you have room for expansion there of the hotel from 800 to 1,200 rooms. And I'm just asking, are the local hoteliers still in support of this, I know they have been all along, which is one of the reasons I've been supportive of it. But you know, I have been just a little concerned whether or not we're building this and then taking business away from the local hotels. And I just wanted to make sure that the local hoteliers are still on board, including with the potential for uh, expansion. Uh, the local hoteliers are very much on board right now, and they're also supportive of the expansion within the parameters that we have explained it, and I'll explain that to you publicly uh, on the record. Uh, there is the, the importance of creating this on-site hotel is both to, to have that facility on-site and, and create that linkage with our facility, but also to have a critical mass of rooms within walking distance of this facility. That is very important for, from a meeting planner perspective in order for them to even consider bringing various conventions to our community. There are a number of different redevelopment opportunities being considered in close proximity to our facility right now involving other lodging establishments that might diminish the number of rooms in close proximity to our facility. If that were to take place, we would then expand our facility to take up that slack. So we don't have any intention of expanding our facility unilaterally, but only in response to the market to make sure to make sure that we maintain a critical mass of rooms within walking distance of our facility. The hospitality community is aware of that position, and they're very supportive of it. Thank you. Thank you, and Geller? Madam Mayor, I told you I'd be fast. I'm done. I'm done. Okay. Commissioner Rich? Um, I'm not going to ask any questions because um, I think we had a very lengthy conversation and I think what I really want to say is thank you for the attention to detail, the professionalism with which you work with each one of us as you can tell by the comments here. Uh, I wasn't here for the first three tries, <laughs> so this is my first shot and I hope that it's going to be the successful one. And I, I appreciate the fact that you don't sugarcoat things, you know, you answer the questions and some answers, you know, you have really good answers and others, you're still working on them. So that's the way it is. Um, but I really just wanted to say that uh, I really do appreciate this. And I think it's going to be, you know, um, 
you know, obviously uh, a difficult job, um, but um, again, with the professionalism that I've seen so far, I think we'll go a long way to, to getting this one right. Um, and I just want to say, going back to the original conversation this morning, that this is going to bring a lot of jobs, as uh, Commissioner Holness was talking about, to our community. Uh, and I just want us to make sure that we have the places for people to live that are going to work in these jobs. Thank you. Thank you. Commissioner Bogan to close. Yeah, I, uh, after everything's been said and done, I have no, nothing more to ask. I talked, Alan, I talked to you this morning. So what I just want to say to Bertha, you've got a great uh, uh, professional person that's working for you. And what really is impressive, you have such a great handle on it, Alan. And it's great uh, that I concur with uh, Commissioner Rich, and so thank you. thank you for such a great job. Thank you. Okay. At this time, I need a motion to close the meeting as the direct procurement authority. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. All opposed? Aye. Let the record show that uh, presentation 43 is complete and it is closed. Okay. The next, um, that ends the direct procurement authority meeting. The next item on our agenda is item number 45. Um, it's a motion to approve the Paratransit Riders Choice Pilot Program. Um, it's a request to set it for public hearing. I have one, two, three speakers from the audience signed up to speak on this item. I'm going to open it to the public hearing at this time. The first speaker on my list for this item is um, Michael Moskowitz, followed by John Camillo, followed by Seth Platt. I'm sorry. Yes. Before I begin, uh, Mayor, I just want to hand out a couple of things. And uh, before I begin my presentation, I want to mention to Commissioner Udine about the library and the 3D copier. I actually went into the library, asked them to make a 3D copy of myself, and the machine broke. <laughs> um, with that said, thank you, Mayor, Commissioners. Uh, Michael Moskowitz, I'm here today representing Transportation America, which is one of your two providers for the paratransit services, the TOPS services, etc. With me today is Mark Levin, who's the Vice President. Two years ago, this county went to a competitive procurement process. It picked two providers, my client being one of them, to provide this service. If you check with your staff who is here today, you'll see that we have a great relationship with your staff, great productivity great performance, and we enjoy working with this county and with your staff. Uh, this item came up one year ago in April 2016 about the idea to, to, to put to this pilot program together in an effort to aid the taxi industry, which was suffering from economic uh, uh, issues. At that time, we made a presentation. We talked about the fact that we, there was a competitive procurement process. We talked about the fact that this undermines the procurement process since it takes away a certain business that we, that we provide to the public. We also made a presentation at that time about all the items that are in our contract that is not going to be part of this program. And I submit to you that uh, I don't think any of you know the items that are the requirements that are in our contract. For example, we, require, we are required by this county to mandate 80 hours of training for every single driver, retraining every year, FTA, Drug testing, drug testing procedures, living wage requirements, removal of employees. The county has the ability to remove employees, drivers, if they fail to adhere to certain requirements. Uh, complaints. Every single complaint must be logged in. A written response must be provided within five days. You, the county, 
must be copied with every single response of those complaints. There are pages of rigid requirements in our contract which were not going to be part of this. And when we made this presentation one year ago, at that time, uh, this county commission said, we will defer this item. We'd like the staff to further study it. We'd like staff to meet with the industry, us, etc., to work with us and determine uh, this program and, and how it should go for forward. Unfortunately, since that time, we have not heard from anybody, we've not had any meetings with anybody, and we've not been part of this process at all with respect to this potential program. It is a potentially good program, but it should not be designed for one industry whatsoever. For example, if we sat down with your staff and we sat down with your team, here are the questions. Are we interested in providing this? Yes. Would we like to be part of this process? Yes. Would we like to talk about the protections that are necessary when you're dealing with your senior citizens and your disabled, the most vulnerable people in your society, and how this program should go? And the answer is yes, yes, and yes. So we would like to be part of this process, which we've not been part of. We would like to sit down. We'd like to talk about this potential pilot program. And we would like to be part of it, since we are one of your two providers. Thank you very much. Thank you. The next speaker is John Camillo. Good morning, Commissioners. Thank you. Um, commissioners, this is a different program than the paratransit contract that you have because this provides on-demand same-day service, which is not being provided. It will provide service for passengers or for your most vulnerable, as uh, Mr. Moskowitz pointed out. Uh, who may need to go to the doctor on that day that they need to go to the doctor. Uh, and it will provide a higher level of service than is currently provided under the current contracts at half the price. Um, it's a win for the clients. It's a win for the county because they're not going to pay as much for the same service. Um, it's point to point and not routed. And I will say that there was a workshop that was held by staff that was attended by uh, your providers, your current providers and the industry where these issues were discussed and it was described at that workshop, Mr. Strobus ran it, uh, what this intended to do. It was a very limited program to see whether or not this service was something that would save the money and provide a point-to-point, same-day, higher level of service than is currently provided under the county contracts. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Camillo, for your brevity. Okay, Mr. Platt. Good morning, Mayor, Commissioners. Um, Seth Platt, uh, representing Tr Transportation America, one of the current uh, paratransit providers. Um, Director Walton and his staff, spe specifically Paul Strobus, have done a phenomenal job improving the paratransit program here in Broward County by implementing operational controls and oversight, which eliminated fraud, improved customer satisfaction, and on-time performance. Now, we're not here to oppose this pilot program, even though it may materially affect our client's contract. Six companies competed for this contract, and eventually two were chosen based on experience, qualifications, and price. Now, some of these companies might, some of these losing companies might not be able to compete under this pilot program without having to meet the same contractual obligations. Transportation America offered the county a financial proposal based on metrics which could be substantially affected by disruption to the paratransit program. You know, the goal of the paratransit rider's choice program should be to improve s service for the users and identify cost savings for the county. 
The paratransit program, which serves the county's most vulnerable citizens, should not be used as a tool to supplement revenue systems for industries adversely affected by uncompetitive market forces and ordinances. Um, it's, I've given most of you, I think I need to give uh, Commissioner Lamarca and Commissioner Holness a handout with some of the, some of the same items that M Mr. Moskowitz talks about uh, relative to uh, the contractual obligations. I think it would be important for the commission and staff to consider some of those uh, in implementing this program to make sure that it provides the proper protections for the users as well as uh, trying to uh, have cost controls and, and oversight for the county. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Platt. That concludes our audience um, requests to speak on item number 45. Back to this dais, Commissioner Lamarca is first in queue. Uh, Followed by Rich. Is Mr. Strobus come up for just a moment? Cool. Yes, Mr. Strobus, if you can come to the podium. Well, he's coming up. I will point out the Red Sox won their first game. <laughs> uh, somebody stole his information on the way up. Morning, sir. Good morning. Um, if you could uh, help me out with the technology back backside of this, is the is the technology available for these companies to do? In other words, what is the dispatch mechanism in this, and how and how would folks be able to? Sure. Um, again, Paul Strobus, I'm the Paratrans manager. Uh, as we described in the transportation workshop in February, this program is intended to offer an alternative transportation to our existing paratransit customers to complement their eligibility under our paratransit program. Uh, the intent of this program will be to offer a subsidized payment card to each pilot uh, participant yet to be procured. Uh, and they would then be able to use those uh, in the vehicle on hire industry. In the July meeting that Mr. Camillo mentioned, we talked about the uh, ability for them to split fares, uh, to have card readers in their vehicles. Um, what we intend to do is to provide each participant with a list of all the registered vehicle for hire companies, whether they're a taxi or TNC, that are available for this subsidy program. Uh, and the customer would choose which company they want to use. Okay. Um, so that they would use existing technology by get us giving them a list. Um, and there's limits on what they can, you know, how much they can use and all that. Yeah, the intent uh, for the program is uh, the subsidy will not exceed $15 per trip. Um, if, the, if the fare for the taxi ride or TNC trip is $8, the uh, transaction would be $8. You know, so again, that saves us uh, the money. So they wouldn't keep the seven on credit. That's We'd correct. Basically, okay, just be per trip. That's correct. Um, let, me, let me ask this. Um, there, there is a different level of training um, care that goes into someone who's somebody who's going to be dealing with somebody who's has accessibility issues and sure. and all that and, and we've gone we've we've kind of had that conversation taxis TNCs and different things and you know who's qualified who's not um, what are we I mean in this case basically if somebody doesn't have it if they if they for example call a taxi or a TNC they don't have that ability do they go back I mean if somebody's confined to a wheelchair they have to go back to tops or well again their, their eligibility with tops is not affected 
So again, this is a, a customer choice program. It, the customer is acknowledging, I am going to you know, call a cab to come pick me up for this service, and I want them to do that. And as part of the enrollment process, we'll be very clear that you are accepting um, that level of service that they provide to the general public now. If an individual requires the level of service that we provide under the TOPS program, door-to-door -door assistance, um, all of those things, they will still have their ability to do that on the TOPS program. So again, we're not diverting trips to the pilot program. We're not having them call us and then we're giving the trips to the industry. The customer is making that choice and as part of the evaluation of this pilot being successful, we will watch to see are we shifting some of the trips that are currently being uh, taken on TOPS to the industry or not, and, and then we'll decide whether this becomes a permanent program. So it's, an, it's a pilot program to create another option. And one last question, the folks who are not the two providers now, uh, would the two providers who are there now be able to compete for this business as well or no? If or they are registered, I mean, um, if they have a TNC license or uh, they're a taxi company in Broward County, they would be eligible. Um, they would not be able to use the county-funded vehicles that are part of our TOPS program to do this service because we have demands on that. So uh, this is outside of what we're providing under those contracts. And the, and the level of uh, demand is, is that much higher that we need to do this? Yes. Um, we have had unprecedented growth, uh, largely in part to the quality improvements that we've made to our program. But just in the first two years of the contract, we had put in trip estimates uh, mm -hmm. for the industry to use, not guarantees, very right. clear in the, in the agreement to that. But each vendor is averaging over 20% uh, per year over the contract estimates. Okay. Uh, in this year alone, it was over 40. Okay. And the projection for calendar year 2017, Transportation America is projected to do 54% more trips than what was in the RFP for this year. I, I guess that's the, 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 the penalty for doing really well and going 90 plus percent on time well, yes. is now we have more people in it. And, and so you know, it, it seems be, like we're creating, an, we're creating an option we don't necessarily need if we can grow, grow what's there, but that's my thought. Thank you. Okay, commissioners, I need to make up 15 minutes. Commissioner Rich followed by Volgan. Um, I, I guess uh, first I want to say that obviously I realize that de the demand is there and um, you know uh, I, I think that we, I, I support this program but I do have some questions about and maybe uh, either Mr. Walton or Mr. Strobis could come up uh, just to answer a couple of questions that I have. Um, Why don't we start with um, Mr. Strobis since you're the manager of the program and if he can't answer to Mr. Okay. Walton. So from, from, um, from what I can gather, the providers, the, the provider is a successful provider right now for, for TOPS. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I, I am curious why they were not given an opportunity or asked to be a part of this. The level of service and the type of service that they are uh, providing under a contract with the county is 
doing very well. This program is not looking to enter into contracts with the vehicle hire industry. Um, we are giving the choice to the customer themselves through the subsidized payment process to use an alternative to their paratransit um, eligibility. So by contracting with a, a yellow cab or, a, or an Uber, opens the county up to requirements under the training, the, all of those things. We have that in place. We don't need to, to expand it. This program is an alternative that we don't provide today. You're not able to book same-day service uh, under the TOPS program. You don't get a private taxi origin to destination trip on paratransit. It's a shared ride, routed system in the day in advance. So it, our customers have a, a, a critical transportation piece, but it's no. everything's preordained. So there's no spontaneity to our customers. This gives them the opportunity to have that same level of, of choice that you and I have today. We can call a cab or an Uber and they don't have that. So that, that's the intent here without creating another contractual relationship with this industry. But I'm just curious, I don't think you answered my question actually. Um, you have people who are incredibly trained from what I can understand. Mm -hmm. um, 80 hours of training, they have the drug testing, which has always bothered me that, you know, we have people out there now picking up that we're not required to have uh, the background screening and drug, and, uh, well, background screening. Uh, these people have all of that. They have the training already. A lot of the people that you're talking about, and I'm not sure exactly how you, how you can determine who is going to call to be a person to be picked up. I won't determine and that. It will be the customer that determines that's that. That's right. And, and some of those people, and maybe they'll learn after the first couple of times that this is not the right way for them because the people don't really know how to serve vulnerable populations, extremely vulnerable populations. So I'm, but I'm, again, I'm concerned about why, I, I, I support the program, but why shouldn't everybody have, be um, able to be a part of it, especially people who do have training and background in handling people that have some uh, either disabilities or are elderly and might have walkers, wheelchairs, well, whatever. Well, again, the, the current providers were competitively bid through an RFP right. for a specific right. scope of work. This pilot is very different from that scope of work. Um, it is not going to involve an RFP to contract with I, I service providers. And so... No. I understand that, but it's just, to me... And maybe there's no answer to this right now, but I'm just saying to me, someone who's doing a good job, who's dealing with this population, should have been included. Well, they were included the with a, a workshop in July, and we've had conversations with the vendor. So they're saying something different. So I, I, I understand I that, but we we did in, 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 inform them of what this program was. Again, the level of training that our drivers go through for paratransit are, is required by the ADA. Correct. Part of the pilot enrollment process will be very clear by choosing this program. And I've had multiple conversations with our customer base. They are willing to accept the subsidy for this level of service, understanding what they're getting into. And again, if they don't like it, the market will drive it and they'll come back to tops. So it's the customer choosing to use this. We're not diverting trips or forcing anybody to get in a cab. I wanna be clear. It's the customer's choice to join. You know, I totally understand that, okay. but we're, you're not hearing what I'm saying about the people who are going to be using this 
we don't know who they are exactly and i just think if you had people who are qualified trained they should have been asked to be to be a part of this thank you madam mayor if you could add me to the queue for very brief remarks commissioner bogan follow commissioner bogan what i think the question is and i'll be real specific is um the person who's going to hold that 15 dollar card can call taxi they can call uber yes they can call any tnc yes they so she's wondering is why can't they call this company as well this service was not included under that rfp and forget the rfp i'm not talking about well there's a scope of work that that created a contract with those vendors and they're operating county-owned vehicles for a specific type of work so what you're saying so now if they have vehicles of their own and are able to operate they can they can be a provider in Broward County. Uh, I, now I understand. So what you're saying now is because this company is using government-owned vehicles, county-owned vehicles, they wouldn't be eligible to do this program, this pilot program. If they had their own vehicles, that's another story. Correct. But, My understanding, actually, Transportation America applied for a TNC license under okay. a company called Trip2. So they would be eligible to receive work under this pilot. No, no, I, I understand. Okay. Because when you said the scope of work is different, it's not different. You're picking somebody up and taking them somewhere. I don't care if it's a taxi, it's Uber, it's them. You're picking somebody up and you're taking them to a place. The scope of work's the same. Right? No. It's not? <laughs> no. Why not? Because right now, ADA eligible people are required to call our call center. The level of service, uh, is Oregon Destination shared service. It's predetermined the day before. This will allow them to call a cab and go directly to the destination without sharing it with anybody else. Okay, I, I got you, I got you. Okay, let me let me say this. Um, uh, so a year ago, I think I was the one, I was told I was the one that brought this up. I was told by, by the taxi industry that there's a niche here that's not being filled, there's a void, and that's people who have a, a need to go somewhere today they have a problem, they gotta go somewhere today, there's no one to call with the county because the TOPS program, you gotta make a 24-hour reservation, right? Yes. And so um, the thought was we need to fill that void, somebody has an, uh, an urgent need to go somewhere, right? That now with this pilot program, you're saying that we fill that niche and void, correct? Yes. But if I have a, if I am using, I want to just make sure, if, so if I'm using the TOPS program every week to go to a doctor and I tell, they know to pick me up, I could decide, you know what, I don't need to use the TOPS program, I'd rather use the taxi or the TNC in lieu of that. Yes. So not only is this pilot program designed to fill that void or niche, but I kind of sense what we're doing is trying to see if we can uh, take the same customer that's using tops and save money for the county by doing this $15 card Yes, the, the pilot as I described in in February is a benefit three ways it, it provided a benefit to the customer We have individuals who don't want to share their ride. Oh, no, I get the benefit. I, I get it the county I, It is a cost mitigation uh, step for us and as well as it provided a potential source of riders for the vehicle hire industry Okay um, uh, I, I have my questions answered. Thank you. Commissioner Geller to close. Thank you, Madam Mayor. Um, I support this. This is a pilot program. The, it will be cheaper for the county. 
it will be better for the people that are using it. My concern was fairness to the uh, current vendors in terms of whether or not this would bring them below the numbers that they had been promised in the RFP. We've just heard today that the numbers are 50% higher. I would ask the county attorney when we are proceeding, if this does go to a permanent issue, to make sure that there is language that if this, pop, if this program is so popular that it brings the current vendors below their uh, estimated numbers in the RFP, that there would need to be some renegotiation of the RFP if, if this brings them below the estimated RFP numbers. That's all, Madam Mayor. Thank you. Can I please have a motion on item number 45? So moved. Need a second? Second. All those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. All opposed? Aye. Let the record show that I think that passes 9 to 0. Okay. The next item on our agenda is item number 46. That was pulled by Commissioner Lamarca. Commissioner Lamarca. Mayor, I will be brief because I know you're trying to get back, you're trained back on its time, mm. back on the tracks. Uh, just wanted to, to uh, one quick question, I guess, uh, or suggestion, Ms. Henry, when we roll this project out, which is, which is a, great, uh, a great program, um, and I'm glad we have a partner to do it with the, with the telecommunications company, we want to make sure, obviously, you've, you've built in uh, security features, you've built in um, ways to track to make sure that the, they're being used the right way, but I want to make sure because these are very fragile devices and um, younger people uh, have a tendency to, to be a little rougher and some of us older people as well. But just if we, if we, even if it takes us a couple of bucks to put something that's very durable on the outside of these, physically on these, but uh, I think this is a, a great uh, program that, uh, you know, until you've actually seen that, that divide, um, you don't realize what, what folks are missing, even though they can go to our libraries and do a lot of great things in our public facilities now, um, the convenience of having this, this uh, access at home, a lot of folks do not have it, so I think this is great. Commissioner, Vice Mayor Furr. Thanks. I just want to compliment this program. I think it's a great idea. I like the way the, the partnerships working with the school board, all the, all the making sure that they, those kids have access not only to our library, um, and all the resources there, but all the resources, you know, and, and the utilities. The school board, from what I understand, is going to make sure, and this is what I had asked, was make sure that they had the utilities, the Microsoft Office, so that they, they don't just view the resources, but they're able, able to capture it um, and work with it. So I know the school board's working hand-in-hand -hand with this, they're and on I the think team. it's a great partnership, and uh, every, every question I had, you all had already thought about it, so... Thank you for being way ahead on it. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Holness. Yes, this 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 can be a game changer for certain segment of our communities. When you look at the backup and you find that within this area that we're targeting, the medium household income is twenty two thousand one hundred eighty eight dollars, compared to Broad County at fifty one thousand five hundred seventy four dollars. Having access to training, to education, to, to, to be able to compete in the world is powerful. And, and I hope that because it will have great economic impact, 
that we look to see how when we go forward with our redevelopment, broad redevelopment program, we look at the economic opportunity for us to put this in probably similar situated communities throughout Broward County uh, as, as, as this work. And I, I believe certainly that if we are diligent in our effort, it's going to be very productive and okay. will really uh, create tremendous opportunity for the people here. And I, and I hope we can expand this to it, add some training modules that goes really beyond just the orientation. Uh, we, we look to see how we can probably expand our high school diploma program that we do through the libraries now as a part of this and, and, and other programs similarly uh, that we can utilize uh, to help folks that need these opportunities okay. to grow. Thank, Thank you. you. All right, I, need, I had a motion on item 46 and a second. All those in favor of item 46 signify by saying aye. Aye. All opposed? Aye. Let the record show that passes on a 9-0. Item 47. Very quickly, this is a redevelopment program with the, uh, uh, in the Broward Municipal Services District with a child care center. One of the things I had asked, I wanted to make sure that it was going to be a high-quality child care center. And I was very pleased to find out that they are going to be seeking accreditation, NACI accreditation within the year. And I think that's excellent. That, that's good for, that means we're, we're investing in something excellent for the entire uh, community. And I hope they, I wish them success. Motion to approve. Second. All those in favor of item 47 signify by saying aye. Aye. All opposed? Aye. Let the record show that passes 9-0. We're not doing good. Um, item number 48 is um, a motion to approve a memorandum of understanding um, that was pulled from consent by Commissioner Lamarca. Commissioner Lamarca. Mayor, uh, with respect to time, all my questions were answered in my meetings. We're on a good path with this. Uh, just so the public knows, uh, we're in the leading edge of this, not Miami. Uh, with that, okay. I'll move the item. All those in favor of item 48 signify by saying aye. aye. All opposed? Aye. Let the record show that passes unanimously. Okay. Uh, I don't know. No, we're not. Um, we still have a long item on 55. I'm sorry. Item number 50. Go ahead, uh, uh, Vice Mayor Fur. Thank you. This is a mo this is a uh, request uh, to partner with the um, United States Coral Reef Task Force. And what it is, this is a, the task force meets uh, in seven different places. Actually, let me let me back up for a minute. It is a combination of uh, 12 federal agencies, seven U.S. states territories and commonwealths as well as well as the freely associated states. They rotate throughout the, these places every seven years and have a conference. And, the, and this is with Florida, they go between Florida, Puerto Rico, U.S. Virgin Islands, Hawaii, American Samoa, Guam, Commonwealth of the North Mariana Islands. And they are in charge, they have a, a mission to do research, monitoring. They're gonna be here. This is a big deal. This is a very big deal. In fact, they're gonna be in Fort Lauderdale and they will be able to focus. I'm trying. I'm fine. I'm going have the support. Okay. If I if the supports, I'll go. <laughs> I think the support might be there. Uh, Dick Do Dick Dodge is here from Nova. Wanted him to say. Yes. Uh, he's on the planning committee. I mean, you you want do you want to come up and say something? It's move. I'm telling you, have the support. All right, um, Commissioner Lamarca, you have something to say? I, I do, I Mayor. Like, I, uh, the way through. So, a, as to look at this item, I think it's very, uh, it's very worthwhile, and I'm glad that they're going to be here, and I, I look forward to participating. 
um, at being the person that represents 73% of our beachfront, which means the coral reefs are off that beachfront. I'm very supportive of the vice mayor's item. I would like to, number one, look at the amount that's being considered is reasonable, but I'd also like to bring an item forward in the very near future, like the next time we meet, uh, for the Florida Shore and Beach Preservation Association, which is the organization that uh, is fighting to renourish our beaches in Tallahassee. Come on. Uh, they are actually bringing their event here to Broward County as well. Okay. Yeah, and, I, and I'm speaking now. Okay, 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 okay. Yes, actually speaking very, very close to the motion. I'm speaking to the motion. Uh, if we if we're supportive of this item, I'd like I'd like uh, this board to, to be very strongly considerate of something that affects the entire county, but also districts four, six, and seven uh, with our beach uh, funding from Tallahassee. So I'm going to bring this forward at our next meeting. But they're having their <clears throat> excuse me they're having their conference here around the same time uh, September 28th uh, I've lost in fall. All the minutes we made up. Okay, <laughs> all those in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. All opposed. Aye. Let the record show item 50 passes unanimously. Okay, the next item on our, our agenda, which is the last item, is item 55. Um, it's a motion to authorize the county administrator to execute any documents necessary to effectuate a settlement between the county and interurban assets. Remember this item? Okay. Yes, so, Commissioner Geller? I just said yes, ma'am. I remember it. Okay. So You asked the question. I answered. It, do I? I need a motion. Okay, I have a second on that. All those in favor of item number 55, signify by saying aye. Aye. All opposed? Aye. Let the record show that passes unanimously. Okay, at this point in time, it is now 1224, and we have completed our regular and consent agenda as well as a public hearing. Thank you guys very much for cooperating. I'm going to go around and ask for the reports. I have the mayor's report ready to go. Um, we delivered the first state of the county workshop at the Broward Workshop breakfast on March 31st. Um, yesterday, uh, we want to join and congratulate Mayor Ortis in celebrating his fifth anniversary of the Mayor's Cafe in Pembroke Pines. And for the next few days, I will join my colleagues in Tallahassee at the Florida Association of Counties Legislative Day. And on Friday afternoon, I will speak at the Charter Review Commission and answer some questions. And I would like to announce a free event, which is Eggapalooza held at Miramar Regional Park on April the 15th. From 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., it's a free Easter egg hunt and ride celebration. Please come out. Everybody can enjoy. It's free April the 15th, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. I'm going to go to the commissioners for non-agenda. Commissioner Udine. Look forward to serving in Tallahassee for the next couple days for the Association of Counties. Unfortunately, I won't be here, but our Commissioner Nan Rich is being honored tomorrow night by Hillel, and I want to extend my congratulations. Oh, nice. It's a great group, and yes, I wish I could be there to be there uh, for her, but... Congratulations. Yeah. That's that's very nice. There's a lot with young college kids, right, exactly. <laughs> uh, and gets them involved in a lot of good things in the community. So uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful organization. Over 8,000 uh, students actually in uh, universities in Palm Beach and Broward County are, participate in the, in the organization. So I just want to quickly mention uh, the successful Broward Housing Summit that we had. Uh, we will be coming back. Uh, there, there is going to be a committee putting together the um, possible dedicated sources of revenue uh, for affordable housing in, in Broward County, um, as well as the plans, obviously, to work on the 
uh, Sadowski money in Tallahassee. But I am, um, you know, excited because it was such a diverse uh, cross-section of the community and the business community is heavily, you know, was there heavily involved. And I want to thank uh, Commissioner Holness and uh, Commissioner Beam and uh, Commissioner Marco was there for a little bit. So I know everyone has busy schedules, but I appreciated uh, some of uh, my colleagues uh, coming. Um, and um, I think it's really is, it's a great kickoff to bring the whole community together to understanding the critical nature of this uh, for, for people in Broward County. Um, I also just want to mention, uh, you, you didn't get this letter this week. I was hoping we would be able to, but uh, uh, it uh, has to do with a, a longstanding letter that was sent here about uh, uh, the whole issue of alternative solutions to criminalization of homeless. And uh, we're probably at the next meeting we should have this letter uh, and uh, love to have a discussion uh, to uh, sign this letter, support this uh, plan by the, uh, it's called the Way Home uh, Homeless Continuum of Care Plan. I know there were some issues uh, about some things that were going on in the park, uh, in Stranahan Park. So a lot of this deals with that issue. and. Um, and we have a number of cities who do criminalize homeless, and uh, the, um, uh, the, the, the national thrust is not to do that yeah. and to try to come up with alternative solutions. So uh, that's what we'd like to try and do, and hopefully I'll have that for the next meeting. Thank, Thank you. Commissioner Bogan? Nothing. Commissioner Ryan? Two quick items. First, um, I was passed over by the mayor on an opportunity to speak on item number 50 with regard to uh, the uh, symposium on the coral reefs. So I wanted to mention uh, we had Dr. Dodge here, and it's important to realize that we have a graduate program uh, dealing with preservation of our reefs. And so this is a wonderful opportunity to have the students that are engaged in these higher level studies to be able to participate in this program. Also, since we have uh, an ongoing challenge with regard to uh, the federal permit for the deepening and widening of uh, Port Everglades Harbor Inlet. Uh, we are studying the impact on the coral reefs, and this is an opportunity for us to discuss that issue with a really a worldwide audience of experts. So uh, it's certainly uh, something that I'm excited about. Uh, just a second thing to let you know that Thursday, because both the mayor and the vice mayor are not available, I'll be me I'll be meeting with the governor out in Miramar for uh, uh, a um, recognition of uh, Apotex, which is a pharmaceutical company out in Miramar that is expanding for an additional 150 jobs. So I'll be happy to be there in your stead. And I know that the jo the governor always talks about jobs, jobs, jobs. If you look at six pillars. And um, uh, the whole concept that has been supported uh, for years by the business community, uh, Chamber of Commerce, uh, and, and all of those who are engaged in economic development in Broward County and in South Florida, one of the hugest impediments to good-paying jobs and the expansion of businesses in Broward County and all of South Florida is housing. And I know that Commissioner Rich has taken this on as one of her uh, issues uh, of great passion with regard to affordable housing, and uh, I want to try to impress upon the governor that the Sadowski Trust Fund, much of those funds, if they were available to us here in Broward County, could be utilized for assistance for young professionals to purchase homes uh, for closing costs and other expenses. 
So, you know, this idea of um, affordable housing goes across a very wide spectrum of housing options, and um, it's really an integrated approach to economic development in this area and in jobs. So our housing stock is critical. Hopefully, uh, he'll have a little bit of a change in his um, thought process with regard to rating those trust funds for affordable housing. Thank you. The good doctor said to only call him for questions, and I figured since you had none, I was skipping over you. Um, Vice Mayor Furr. Thanks. Real quick, I, I just want to compliment uh, Commissioner Rich's summit. I thought a lot of good ideas came out of there. I think there a lot. I think everybody had a lot they could take away from there, and actually get to work on. So, and you, you brought together the whole spectrum, every you know, developers, builders, everybody. So, overdue, and and I think very constructive. So. Nice job on that. I was happy to be there. Um, on uh, Thursday, we're actually having my next move, which is going to have about 60 or 70 of the, of the major uh, businesses in the county going to be uh, have a chance to meet with a lot of the 400 students from Hollywood. They're all going to have a chance to hopefully get a job, walk out of there with the job. And I just want to thank all the all the employees that are helping there. And then lastly, on on Saturday, there's going to be uh, they're going to be dropping like a bazillion marshmallows. From a helicopter <laughs> for the kids, yeah, for the Easter, yeah, a bazillion, a bazillion. So, uh, everybody, watch out. Okay, <laughs> and that's all. Thanks, Commissioner Lamarca. Uh, I want to also commend uh, you on that uh, summit, uh, Commissioner Rich, uh, and I also want to point out, as, as did you, uh, that the community on issues of great importance like housing, uh, affordability, attainability, accessibility, uh, you will typically find. Uh, the business community, um, which um, I'm not going to speak in code. You'll find people from across both sides of the aisle on these issues. I think they're very important. I would also recommend if folks are uh, want to have a conversation with the governor about this, you really want, might want to have one with the Speaker of the House. Uh, two quick things. One is uh, I'm going to repeat that on September 28th, I'm going to bring an item back for Florida Shore and Beach Preservation Association because uh, we have been in Tallahassee fighting for beach, beach funding for the last at least the six years I've been here and the $50 million the governor and the Senate have put in their appropriations, if it, if it holds, uh, will we'll fund all the beach projects within a two to three year cycle, which is what we've been going after. And one last thing, our beloved and friendly sea cow, otherwise known as the manatee, has been reclassified from endangered to threatened. So good job out there being careful for them on your boats, Commissioner Ryan. <laughs> They're my friends. I, 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 do, I do think that the uh, housing summit was very powerful, and I look forward to the action plan that we can all get behind to, to, to change the dynamics that exist that makes us uh, number one in, in uh, un, uh, housing, housing being unaffordable for people because it's essential for the jobs that we'll create in the future. Uh, there is still time to register for Broad County's Office of Economic Development listening to your business workshop this this Thursday, April, no, I'm sorry, Thursday, April 6th. That's correct, this Thursday. The workshop is free and takes place from 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. at the Broad Main Library, 7th floor, 100 South Andrews Avenue, Fort Lauderdale. The workshop is geared toward entrepreneurs who need to examine where their business is now, where they want their business to be in the future. The 
A small business office is here to help small business grow and succeed with year-round learning opportunities available to small business owners. For more information about listening to your business, you may contact Mr. Steve Tinsley at 954-357-8075. That's 954-357-8075. Also this Thursday, there's a very important workshop. Uh, State Attorney Michael Satz, in collaboration with uh, Clerk of the Courts Brenda Foreman, uh, will have a free sealing and expungement workshop from 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. at the Fate Center, 4061 Northwest 16th Street in Lauderdale. This will be a one-stop shop where we'll receive information to determine if your record can be sealed or expunged. For more information on this very important workshop, please contact the State Attorney's Office at 954-831-6955. That's 954-831-6955. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Commissioner Geller? Thank you, Madam Mayor. I look forward to seeing you and uh, Commissioner Udine and anyone else bright and early tomorrow morning, 730 at the Florida Association of Counties. And I will comment briefly that uh, being in Tallahassee this year is, is difficult. I have never seen the level of attack from the legislature on local government decisions as I have this year. And, you know, I go back an awful long time, and I'm working on these issues, but I have never seen the level of attack. Uh, Madam Mayor, I'm sure you would agree with that. So hopefully we'll be able to get them to back off a little, but it, it, it's difficult this year. Thank you, Commissioner Geller. County Administrator, anything? Just very briefly, for those parents that are looking for something to do with their kids on spring break, our water theme parks are open for the entire week. They're open Saturdays and Sundays during the month of April, and they'll reopen after that um, when the summer arrives, but for that week, every day. Thank you. Thank you. County Attorney? County Auditor? I just want to wish everybody a happy Easter and Passover. <laughs> Thank you. This meeting's adjourned.